to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chickie Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917-889-3675. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern Sense is Common Sense. emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is, run to the grocery store, you're likely to find chaos and plenty of empty shelves. So how do you avoid this? Well, it's simple. You use today to make a plan, to prepare for things that may happen. It's a hurricane, earthquake, blizzard, or even social unrest, especially in today's political environment. The practical place to start is by storing up food in your home. And I use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. If you don't have an emergency food supply, it's time to do so. Here's a great item that makes it really simple. A two-week food kit that comes in a rugged tote. And it's only $75 when you go to my special website, preparewithsouthernsense.com, or call 888-441-7290. This food kit includes breakfast, lunch, and dinners that will last up to 25 years on your storage shelves. So order now and prepare yourself, and then rest easy. So it's very simple. Just call 888-441-7290 or go to preparewithsouthernsense.com. You know what? Let's make it even more simple than that. You're listening to my show, and it's called Southern Sense, and you know you put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com, and click on the icon 
for my Patriot food. Well, if you want to insist, you can still go to 888-441-7290 or go to my website, Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Be prepared. Well, welcome back to another messed up show. It's Friday, so something has to be effed up. <laughs> so welcome to Southern Sense. You're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, half a dozen other places. Just go to the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the least mostest, Danny, the radio chickadee, along with my co-host, Curtis, courageous C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. How are you? <laughs> All right. And um, I hope everybody's enjoying their their Good Friday today. Well, All across actually, the I've got Actually, um, for the going on 11th year of doing this broadcast, I do not broadcast normally on Good Friday because it is a high holy day. Um, but with everything that's been going on in the world and the craziness in my own house, um, I did schedule a guest for today, so I would honor them. I did not cancel today. Uh, so we are broadcasting on Good Friday live, uh, but this is not our norm for us because it is such a high holy day for us in our Christian faith. But I think also it's important we talk with these two guests um, because I, I think in a way, I keep on telling you, Curtis, that in many ways the good Lord speaks to us, I think, uh, because he sends me people at a certain time in our lives um, that just seem to fit the moment. And uh, I, I think maybe once again he is saying, Annie, this is an exception to the rule. I know you don't broadcast on Good Friday, but this is an exception. And I, I maybe this is it, Curtis. There are always exceptions to the rules, that I believe. <laughs> so you're, you're probably yeah. right. Well, I do have to apologize to anyone that is trying to catch us over on Facebook or up on YouTube. Um, the computer, I spent so much money to get repaired. We did a Windows update, <clears throat> and it knocked out <clears throat> Excuse me. its ability to read all of my USB ports, um, as well as my auxiliary ports, it, it won't even read the SD card. So the computer I normally broadcast is completely down. So it's going to go back to the shop uh, on Monday. So I am broadcasting off of my secondary laptop. So uh, I'm not able to do all the bells and whistles that I normally do. So I apologize if we're a little bit old school today. Mm. <clears throat> well, that said, we got ourselves really uh, two guests today. We're bringing back uh, Mitch Gerber. Uh, he is a champion for the Fulongong, um, which are practitioners of a physical and metaphysical faith that uh, is under attack. It's a major genocide. Or as, um, what's the President Biden called it? A cultural thing uh, that are being oh, actually exterminated. Wow. Yeah, uh, he said it was a cultural a man thing. Of words. Yeah. Uh, you know the thing, the are, thing, 
<laughs> yeah. You know, man. You know, man. Hey, man. Yeah. Um, but these these people are being um, imprisoned, uh, slave labor. They're having their organs harvested from them while they're still alive. Uh, they're being mm-hmm. tortured. Uh, hundreds of thousands of them have just simply disappeared. And these these people of really, really true faith. And it's it's not just, Fulangang is not a religion. It is a practice that you can also incorporate your faith with, be it Christianity, Judaism. It, it works all together as one. And these people are of such powerful belief. They, because their belief and their mental and physical health is so great, that's why their organs are in such demand. But they're actually being blood tested. Uh, they're going to their homes. The Chinese Communist Party is going to their homes and testing their blood to make sure if they're an organ match for someone, say, in Russia that needs a heart or a liver or a kidney. Well, we got a match here. It doesn't matter. They're Fulong Gong. Or they may be Uyghur Muslims. They're even doing that there. The genocide that is going on and the human rights violations that's going on in China is absolutely outrageous. And they accuse us of human rights violations. Well, we're going to be talking to Mitch about all that. There's plenty of time to talk about that. And on the second half of the show, we're going to have a new guest. And just get my little fingers to do the walking through the paperwork here. Um, this gentleman is Glenn Caroline. Not Carolina, Caroline. Uh, and he's a veteran of grassroots gun rights and political groups. He's the Director of External Affairs for the Second Amendment Foundation and Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms. And the assault on our Second Amendment is so outrageous under this administration. Uh, Again, this is something we're going to get into uh, (laughs) in the show but, again, we have so much to talk about. And then we have your friend. Tell us about your the guest that you're bringing on today, Curtis. Well, I recently met Tanya Thompson at an event maybe a week and a half ago. And then yesterday again up in Jacksonville. She is um, spearheading an initiative to bring back prayer in our schools, <clears throat> she works in the school system, and I think she says she works in the cafeteria, and she has shared with us, I mean, how how uncivilized and uncouth the children are today, even going down to, like, the fifth grade. They, they talk, you know, they threaten teachers and things like that, I'm going to kill you or something like that, or they they utter sexual things that shouldn't even come out of the mouth of an adult, you know, towards the teacher, but um, they do in these schools. So her solution is to try to um, get prayer restored back into the school system. She says they were able to get marijuana on the ballot, so why shouldn't they be able to um, to get that on the ballot, prayers back in schools? So that's what she's, like I said, that's what she's um, um promoting and she's got a she's got a um 
an effort, great effort out there to um, get a lot of petitions signed. I think they need like something like eight eight hundred and twenty thousand signatures on petitions, and so far they just got a couple of thousands. I'm talking about setting the bar high, but I guess there's wow. a lot of people who want marijuana more than they want prayer in school schools. But we'll see, because I think she's just really yeah. getting started with this. So she's going to talk about that, and she's a yeah. pastor. All right. She's a what? Pastor, minister. Oh, pastor, a pastor. All right, great. Reverend. All right, well, ah, well, I want to welcome everyone that is listening in here on our Blog Talk Radio, and we will later on upload this, hopefully, if the video goes through, onto Facebook and uh, YouTube. Uh, as well as listening in on SHR Media uh, that's going live at this moment. But uh, hopefully, well, the new computer is coming in on the 21st. If I'm lucky, I'll get it all set up in time for the for our broadcast on the 23rd. But for the next couple of shows, we're doing this all old school. So I do apologize for those of you who enjoy watching uh, my comedic activities as well as my cat jumping behind me or on my lap or me sipping my water constantly. (laughs) So all you get today is my dear, sweet, dulcet tones. Anyway, that said, those that listen to the show know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today is going out to two heroes. It is going out to Deputy Sheriff Adam Gibson and his canine partner, Riley, who was shot and killed in the parking lot of the uh, Cal Expo and State Fair facility in Sacramento County in California. They are with the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department. Their end of watch was Monday, January 18th of 2021. And this is from the Officer Down Memorial page, and I do encourage everyone to visit it, which is at odmp.org. And it reads, very simply, Deputy Sheriff Adam Gibson and canine Riley were shot and killed in the parking lot of the Cal Expo and State Fair facility following a vehicle pursuit of a parolee. Deputies noticed the subject and vehicle, which matched the description of one used in a recent burglary series in a parking lot near Arden Way and Avondon Avenue. The deputies contacted the occupant and learned he was on active parole. As they prepared to search the vehicle, the man fled, leaving deputies in a pursuit. The vehicle became disabled when it entered the State Fair parking lot at 1600 Exposition Boulevard, and the man remained inside. Deputies used a beanbag round to break out the vehicle's back window so they could see inside. K-9 Riley was then deployed through the window by his handler in an attempt to apprehend the subject. When K-9 Riley was inside of the vehicle, the man opened fire, fatally wounding both K-9 Riley and Deputy Gibson. A second deputy was also shot and wounded. Other deputies on the scene returned fire and killed the subject. Deputy Gibson was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran 
and had served with the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department for six years. He is survived by his wife and nine-month-old child. And this is from the Sacramento CBS Local.com. And it reads, Friends of a fallen deputy, Adam Gibson, were remembering him as funny, someone who brought a sense of calm in the middle of the chaos, and most importantly, a family man. Michael Usury is still processing after learning his brother-in-arms and groomsmen at his wedding. 31-year-old Sacramento County Deputy Adam Gibson was shot and killed at the Cal Expo in the line of duty. He was as much as my brother as my blood brother, Usury explained. The deputy was a former Marine, a husband, father, and brother to all. I don't believe it. I didn't think it was real. It took all day for it to sink in, he said. The two fought on the front lines together during two tours in Afghanistan. It's really hard to believe that we served two tours in Afghanistan. And he gets shot at home, he said. In 2012, while in the Marine Corps, Gibson was awarded the Navy Achievement Medal with an act of valor after he helped save the lives of two teens taking on enemy fire. He had your back, front and both sides. He was willing to lay down his life for me, and I knew that wholeheartedly, he said. That didn't change when he returned back home. The six-year veteran deputy was awarded a Bronze Star for Bravery in 2018 after he climbed on top of a tour bus to save a suicidal man dangling off a bridge above Highway 99. The hero's death is leaving an enormous void behind. Usury said it's Gibson's humor, leadership, and love for his family taken away from his wife and nine-month-old daughter that hurts him the most. That was one of the first things that came to mind was his daughter and how she's going to have to grow up without her father there. I think... That's the hardest part of all of this, he said. Gibson family says they're trying to process everything. A canine officer, Riley, was also killed at Cal Expo that night. Officials say the suspect, Robert Calderon, shot the dog when starting to fire at the officers. A second officer was hit by gunfire. And officials say the deputy, a 13-year veteran of the force, was hospitalized in serious but stable condition. And this finally, from the Sacramento Bee, by Rosario Ahomanda. Rachel Gibson held her nine-month-old daughter Sophie in her right arm as she spoke about her late husband, the Sacramento County Sheriff's Deputy Adam Gibson. She remembered he would always say not to worry because he was a damn good cop. And you are, but you're also a damn good father and a damn good husband, she said to her husband as she spoke to family, friends, and law enforcement officials gathered to honor the slain deputy. Sophie will always know who you are. 
and you will always be our hero. Sophie and I will love you the most. Gibson, 31, was a six-year veteran of the sheriff's office when he was killed on January 18th. He died at a hospital hours after the suspect, in a brief vehicle pursuit, opened fire on him and another deputy, a canine named Riley. The dog was also killed, and the second deputy was recovering from injuries. The suspect, 46-year-old Robert Stephen Cauldron, was also killed in the shootout at the Cal Expo grounds. Funeral services for Gibson were held at the Bayside Church Adventure Campus in Roseville. The services were not open to the general public due to the COVID-19 restrictions, and there was limited attendance reserved only for invited law enforcement officials. Gibson's wife said her husband's life changed once his daughter was born, and she enjoyed watching his bond with his daughter grow over the past several months. She said her husband had already started noticing his daughter's personality starting to show, and he couldn't wait to do a lot of things with her. I want to be mad. I want to yell at you. But I can only hear your sarcastic voice making fun of me saying, Babe, just love me. Babe, be proud. Rachel Gibson said to her husband, and that's exactly what I am. I am so proud of you. Gibson also leaves behind his parents and several siblings. His sisters remembered him as a mama's boy, as a child who grew up to be a protective and caring brother, who found direction and purpose in the sheriff's office after his time with the U.S. Marine Corps, serving two tours in Afghanistan. The sheriff's office awarded him a bronze star for bravery in a major incident ribbon in 2018. He received the Bronze Star for directing a tour bus to drive under pedestrian bridge over a highway, Highway 99 in Elk Grove, where a man was threatening to commit suicide. The bus was there to catch the man just before he lost his grip and fell, saving the man from injury. Sergeant Brett Shanep of the Sheriff's K-9 unit said Gibson's face would always light up when he spoke about his wife and daughter after becoming a proud father. He said Gibson also had an ability not to take anything too seriously while excelling at his profession. He was a superhero of our team. He was our Superman, Shinep said, while giving his personal eulogy for Gibson. Deputy Jeb Crummel, also of the K-9 unit, said his greatest fear came true after learning of Gibson's death. He said Gibson was a high-performing K-9 handler with numerous successful surrenders, apprehensions, and gun finds. You are greatly missed, and you will never be forgotten. 
and you will always be in our hearts, Trumple said to Gibson during the memorial service at the church. Our team will never be the same. Sheriff Scott Jayden said Gibson gave up his life for his community to be safer, like all other law enforcement officials across the country. He told members of the sheriff's office to honor Gibson by putting on their uniforms each day and following Gibson's example. There's just evil in this world, and we're the guardians against that evil, Jones said at the memorial to Gibson. That's what Adams did. He stood up to that evil. The sheriff told Gibson's widow, I'm sorry. I couldn't return Adam home safe. But Jones reminded her the sheriff's office will remain a part of her extended family and they will be there for her and her daughter whenever they need support. Thank you for living your life with courage and honor, Jones said to the full-on deputy. We will always honor you and never forget you. The memorial services in the church were followed by a law enforcement procession led by the sheriff's vehicle accompanying Gibson to a cemetery in North Sacramento County for other law enforcement honors and a private graveside service. Sheriff officials encouraged the public to show their support, and they did, by lining the sidewalks along the procession ramp on Highway 65 and Interstate 80, from Roseville Church to East Lawn Memorial and Sarah Hills Memorial Park. Gibson's was the first Sacramento County Sheriff deputy killed in the line of duty since September 2018 when Deputy Mark Sistiak was shot and killed at an auto parts store in Rancho Cordova in what Jones called an extensive firefight. Deputy Sheriff Adam Gibson and K-9 Riley, stand down your end of tour We'll take it over from here. Today's show is dedicated to Deputy Sheriff Adam Gibson and K-9 Riley. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve, whether they be law enforcement, emergency services, or firefighters. It's also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve in our military. From the birth of this nation through today and into its marvelous future, we dedicate to them this song, Amazing Grace. May God bless each and every one.
All right, and we're back, and you're here listening to Seven Cents here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media. Oh, the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle of Southern, hyphensense.com. All right, I'm Annie, your hostess with the least mostest today, the radio chickadee, along with my courageous co-host, C.S. Bennett. Curtis, let's welcome back onto our show and hopefully this time he won't get trolled, <laughs> Mitch Gerber. Good afternoon, Mitch. How are you today? Oh, God bless you, Annie. Hey, Curtis. Hey, everybody. Nice to be back. And How are wow, you? you touch. I'm I'm good. Uh, you just touched my heart, Annie, with uh, blessing and honoring those who have fallen in the line of duty to protect and serve our great nation and our people who are uh, under are under God. So, God bless you. Thank you for that. That was very special. Well, Very powerful. Thank you. <laughs> well, actually, I almost became a canine cop. Um, I was up for it, but uh, I got my little butt in hot water with my commanding officer, so that went out the window. But I, what these guys do is just so amazing as canine officers are working side by side with them and, you know, to see that he and his partner go down, it is, it's, it's hard for me. I mean, having at attention in so many of these funerals it's just uh, it, it, it's hard for me to explain for someone who's never been been there or done that but that's why I do this that's why I want to make sure everyone remembers uh, the sacrifice these men and women and their their canine partners as well as uh, 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 good lord um their horse partners, <laughs> the, the mounted police also do, mm. uh, in the line of duty. But uh, oh wow! Anyway, <laughs> Mitch, uh, just to introduce you, uh, <laughs> explain who you are <laughs> to an audience that probably have no, some know you, some don't. But I want you to introduce yourself. Um, well, thanks everybody. Thanks, Annie, for having me on and back on uh, your lovely show. It's been a pleasure. I think this is maybe the third or fourth time we've actually connected together in in uh, the worldwide uh, uh, radio podcast world. And um, my uh, my investigative research started when I was studying international business at the University of Georgia as an American citizen, the first in my in my family to become an American citizen. Born and raised in South Africa after my family uh, fled the Nazis and the Holocaust uh, from Hungary and, and Ukraine, fled to South Africa, and then that's where I was born and then raised in America uh, for 25 years. And now I'm in Vietnam, about 100 miles away from the Chinese border, um, on my 21-year 20 year investigative uh, crusade since 2001 when I was studying at 21 years old. Uh, exposing this reign of terror, which is now infiltrated into America, um, into our Justice Department, into our federal court systems, rigged the election, um, have been colluding with the uh, demonic CCP puppet Joe Biden, um, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. And I've been on the investigative trail for the last, wow, 21 years. I, I just came off a show yesterday with Dr. Enver Totti uh, exposing this new form of evil where hundreds and thousands of innocent people, prisoners of conscience, have been sent to state-mandated hospitals, their organs then just cut out of their bodies while alive without any 
regard to human life while alive, while the blood is while flowing, and then the CCP making a fortune off these organs. Um, so this is where I have been and what I've been doing. To cut a long story short, I haven't got any titles. I haven't worked for any big corporations. I haven't got any um, name, and I seek no reward. I just out of the goodness of my heart, and that's why you touched me so much when you cried in honor of these brave men and women and canines and horse, uh, horses that have you know, fallen in the line of duty to protect and serve humanity. And I do believe there is a saying that is, what is a man or what is a person who cannot make the world a better place? And these people precisely did that. Um, because where there is evil in this world that is, and where, where there is darkness in this world, we have to stand up against it. So um, in, in terms of what your inspiration, I, I think it's important to just share that's where I am and that's the story that I would like to tell. Uh, beside that, uh, nothing, you know, I'm a nobody. I, I've been on the front lines for a long time exposing evil because to fail to expose, the, the, to fail to support the good and to fail to expose evil is unacceptable. So that's me in a nutshell. Well, you know, we're living in a really strange age, and um, I don't know if I told you this last time you were on the show, but um, I had two friends of mine that were in the Wuhan province uh, back in, they went there 2018, and they were going to serve three years as missionaries. Uh, He is now a deacon in our church. Uh, It took them six months to get from China through um, South Korea back into the United States. And they told me back, they had to send like sort of like coded uh, messages, emails through another party. But we had a sense something was going on back in October of 2019. And we're now learning that as far back as uh, September of 2019, Patient number one came down with the COVID virus. We know it came out of the Wuhan lab. We know that some of the major investors in that Wuhan lab, besides the American government, were also George Soros and Bill Gates. We now know these things, although mainstream, or shall we call it lamestream media, is not talking about that. But we had whispers of something as far back here. Little old me, who, again, is a nobody, was learning that something was happening back as far as October of 2019. And even as of January of 2020, WHO, the World Health Organization, which is in bed with the Communist Party in China, uh, was denying that this was anything serious. Oh, just don't worry. It's just another flu outbreak. No worry. You don't know nothing. There's nothing to look at here, people. And then Fauci, as far as March of 2020, was saying, "Oh no, we don't need face masks. Nothing to look at. Everything's okay." And now here we are in April of 2021, going, "Oh no, you now have to wear triple masks. Everyone has to get a vaccine." The Communist Party has influenced world politics and human behavior globally on such a fantastic scale. And I don't think anyone really understands or appreciates how insidious this is. Oh, you nailed it very well. And I've been trying to say and bang down the doors of all the social media, 
of all the senators, congressmen, world leaders for, for, for over 20 years, and no one listened to me. No one even wanted to even hear about the CCP 10 years ago. What is the CCP? Now, not only is it at, at the gates, it's inside the gates. The CCP is a reign of terror, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's a great publication out of New York City called the, from the Epoch Times. And I think, Annie, you're familiar with the Epoch Times, yeah? Um, I am a it's, subscriber. It's, Wonderful. It's a tremendous publication. So, you know, I rest my case. Yet they have come out with an incredible editorial series to watch, to listen to, and to view, if you'd like, for free, called The Communist Spectre is Ruling Our World. Uh, the Communist Spectre is Ruling Our World from the Epoch Times. Uh, I really implore your listeners who are avid readers to read that publication. It's a non-series report on how the Communist Spectre of China um, from Paris Commune with Marx and Engels and Trotsky brought into China by Mao Zedong, backed by the Rockefellers at that time, created a reign of terror that has decimated over 5,000 years of Chinese culture, wiped out over 100 million lives. That's, that's, two, that's more than two world wars combined of murder, harvesting hundreds and thousands of innocent Falun Gong practitioners, house Christians, Uyghur Muslims and Tibetans, in state-mandated hospitals and just cutting out their organs while alive and selling them for massive amounts of profit, a multi-billion dollar business, has decimated and killed millions of innocent Chinese girls, has infiltrated into the United States, aligned with the CCP, Joe Biden. As you can see, this is a complete farce. The big pharma, the big tech, the weaponized vaccines, which are now going to mass murder and mass destroy millions of people. In the next three to five months, we're living... Any, I don't have to be a bearer of bad news. I'm not a doom and gloomer. I'm not an alarmist. Um, I'm not a pessimistic porn artist. I've I, I got too much going on on the line for, that to, for me to be that. I just, I just shoot straight, and I tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. We are living now a real-time depopulation plot that is in full, full, full effect. First of all, a bioweapon from China by the CCP. Francis Boyle has come out. Even the former CDC director has said that it has been made in the Wuhan lab. Virologists, top virologists that I've worked with throughout the years have, have shared this as well. Joshua Phillips from Crossroads, a great channel from uh, a subsidiary of the Epoch Times, has also uh, uh, done a documentary on this. It went viral, 70 million people in three days, banned by Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, because uh, they're working in a line, as Google is with the Chinese Communist Party. So they're ushered in this bioweapon, and now they're weaponizing kill shots to create non-specific -spec antibodies to ramp up in your system to make you more susceptible for the COVID-19 pandemic, which is the real pandemic, which is going to kill millions of people very soon in the next three to five to six months. This is a plot. This is a depopulation plot, sourced by the Chinese Communist Party, backed by the globalist cabal, George Soros and the Rockefellers and Bill Gates, and as you said, Anthony Fauci, the death scientist, who gave the Wuhan lab $4 million from the National Cancer Association that he was head of. So this is a complete scheme, and Biden is just dismantling America. I'm not sure where Trump is right now. They say he's coming back to restore the republic with the military, but I'm not sure what's going on. Um, it's, it's so up in the air and so smoke and mirrors right now that this is truly the battle of good and evil. And that's why it's so important to have faith, to have faith in yourself, to have faith more importantly in the creator. And I have a, and in humanity, and I, and I just wanted to share a quote. Uh, I was going to share it at the end of the broadcast, but I think it's, uh, it really ties into what I'm saying. And this is from Ephesians 
It's one of my favorite quotes, Annie, uh, and Curtis, and everybody that's listening. The armor of God, this is the time for it. Uh, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, which is now, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. So I think faith is very important. Whoever you are and whatever you are in this world, um, it's the battle of good and evil, and I think it's important to stand on the right side of destiny. And those who are being complicit, aligned with the CCP, Annie, can only, are going to have a very hard time in the future because it's really bad, and, and that's what I wanted to share with you. That it is a frightening time that we really do live in, and um, what what worries me is that there is a large section of our population, and we're going to be getting into this with our final guest, uh, of a lack of moral values, a lack of faith, uh, where she wants to bring prayer back into school. I mean, it, it, we are so bad that we now have to demand from our government a single day that allows our children to bring their Bibles to school on that one day that we are about. Wait, 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 wait. First Amendment says that government cannot establish a religion nor prohibit the free expression thereof. And yet we cannot have, it used to be when I moved into the town I live in, in little tiny South Carolina here, we used to have a sidewalk preacher, and I would get a kick out of it. You see this guy, you know, standing on the corner and pro- uh, uh, proclaiming the word of the Lord. And, hey, I may not be of his Baptist faith. I may be of a different faith. But, hey, he had the First Amendment that allowed him to stand. You know what they did? They chased him off because he said he was disturbing the peace. Any way in which to crush our moral values and our faith they are finding. And this insepid invasion, and I, I don't know why I love that word insepid, but it is an invasion on our moral values, our faith, our freedoms by progressive liberal communists. And the communist Chinese have seen a weakness in us, and they are using it to the utmost of their best ability. You're spot on, Annie. I wonder if any, if we have time to play some clips that I've said, I've shared with you. All your mm-hmm. clips. Oh wait, we we definitely have time. plenty of time here. We got, okay, we, we wonderful. Got, we wonderful. have a good forty-five more minutes. I, I gave you a full hour here, wonderful. my friend. <laughs> because Thank you. Last time we had that tr- that troll, <laughs> and you should be honored. <laughs> you got trolled. <laughs> I know. Right, which I know. one would you like? I'm, I'm, Yes, I, 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 I'm, I'm actually honored because I'm, I'm actually banned from China as well, and I've had spies after me. I've been involved in the assassination attempt. I'm living in communist Vietnam right now, which 
any day now something can just happen and I could be hauled off into a into a gulag or shot. It's okay because, you know, like I said, I'm doing God's work. Um, but how about we play for your audience? Um, uh, because this, th- what I've been covering, Annie, and I thank you so much for allowing me to share about it, because uh, not many uh, have had the courage to, especially in the mainstream media, um, the forced organ harvesting against this innocent spiritual movement called the Falun Gong. And you've covered it a couple of times, and God bless you for that. Uh, even Christian. Do you want Wendy then? Yes. Okay. Um, well, how, about, how, how, about, how, how about we do how about we do uh, Kilgore and Mattis the the first one about the forced organ harvesting uh, evidence that this is going on? Okay, all right, we got it queued up. Hang on, sit back and enjoy. Uh, a rather upsetting issue, uh, allegations that uh, have uh, repeatedly been aired that China uh, plays a part in harvesting organs, uh, mainly of executed prisoners. Um, the numbers run to thousands every year. Uh, the uh, organs then get sold on for transplants. Um, it's always been vehemently denied by the Chinese government. But here in Britain, representatives of a campaign called Forced Organ Harvesting have been looking at the issue, and they've gone as far as presenting their latest findings to the British Parliament, to representatives. Join us here in the studio. Welcome to David Kilgore, former member of the Canadian Parliament, and Ethan Goodman, uh, author of several books on China, who've both been involved in the investigations, are here to tell us a little bit more. Uh, David uh, Kilgore, if I could start with you. Um, What are the latest findings of your investigation? What are you closing in on? Uh, That about about 65,000 Falun Gong practitioners have been killed and their organs trafficked. there are other people too, uh, convicted prisoners uh, are, are killed, of course, but uh, the thing that we're focusing on is the Falun Gong community. My, my colleague Ethan Gutman has, has done a lot of work on the Uyghur community. He'll probably want to say something about that, but yeah, there, there's no doubt. We have 52 kinds of evidence that this is, uh, this is happening. To give you the easiest example, uh, uh, the wife of a surgeon told us that her husband had removed the corneas from 2,000 Falun Gong practitioners in a two-year period. So, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind. We've written, we've got two books on it, we've got all kinds of... And these, here. just to clarify, these come after judicial executions? No, there's no judicial involvement in virtually all of the Falun Gong. That's the thing that nobody understands. Okay, right, so we better clarify this because we often cover the fact that China, of course, course, has one of the highest rates of execution, yeah. judicial execution. It's their choice. That's what yeah. they do. Uh, and they're always there in the top three, along with yeah. Saudi Arabia and yeah. Iran. But yeah. this is something different. Exactly. It's because a police signature is all you need to get sent to a forced labor camp. And then basically what happens is somebody from, um, it could be London, it could be Canada, goes over there for a liver. And uh, they, uh, there's a computer bank and it says there's a match for, for you out in camp number 50. And somebody's dragged out of camp number 50 into an operating room. Their liver's taken out of them. It's flown to Shanghai where you're probably waiting for your liver. And you come back to London with a new liver. And somebody has been killed like a, a lobster in a grotesque restaurant. Hang on a minute. So you're not even saying, because, I mean, it's one issue, the judicial executions and the use of the cadaver, mm-hmm. uh, which I suppose in a certain legal sense is the property of the state once the state has mm-hmm. killed the individual. But you're saying these are people being killed to order? <laughs> Precisely, and it's 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 so as you say, your horror shows how how uh, distressing it is. But yet it never gets mentioned uh, that these are people who've been maybe giving out pamphlets asking them to stop killing Falun Gong, and they're they're guilty of nothing. The allegation and and our findings are shocking. I mean, uh, to us, uh, it, it, this is a, a form of uh, evil we have yet to see on this planet. Uh, this is a new form of evil. Uh, I'm uh, David Matus, and with me is uh, David Kilgore. 
we've been asked to investigate allegations that uh, there has been harvesting of organs of Falun Gong in China, uh, that the uh, the willing that the donors, the Falun Gong donors, are unwilling. Then uh, they have been uh, executed uh, in the process, uh, either for the purpose of the transplants or after the transplants, and that their bodies are cremated. That, that was the allegation we were asked to investigate. Uh, David Kilgore is a former member of parliament and former cabinet minister for Asia Pacific, and I'm a, a Winnipeg lawyer uh, doing immigration, refugee, and international human rights law in Winnipeg. We were asked to uh, investigate this uh, allegation by the coalition uh, against uh, well, it's a coalition investigating allegations of persecution, coalition to investigate the persecution of Falun Gong in China, which is based in uh, Washington, D.C. We were asked to do this a couple months ago, uh, and we have uh, now uh, done uh, our investigation, and we're producing this report. We were not paid. We were doing this as volunteers, uh, and uh, we're not associated officially uh, with anyone. We're just acting independently from everyone and doing this investigation. We pursued every investigative trail we could find. In the report, you will see that there are 18 different avenues of proof and disproof we considered and evaluated. Our bottom line conclusion after considering everything as best we could was that the allegations are true. We believe them to be true, that this uh, harvesting is indeed happening. That conclusion comes not from any one of these different 18 categories of evidence uh, that we looked at, but by assessing everything all together. All together, uh, they paint a whole picture. All the evidence we looked at uh, either corroborated the uh, allegations or, in some cases, uh, where we were looking at possible disproof, did not disprove the allegations. We do know for a fact uh, that, that the Falun Gong are, are depersonalized, dehumanized, uh, and marginalized, uh, repressed, persecuted, uh, both in word and in deed, in, in the most vile ways uh, possible. For this sort of allegation uh, to be true uh, in Canada would involve a very large step from where we are, but in China, it's not that big a step from where China has been. You know, th th there's so much that is said in there, and I'm, I'm, I pulled up a ton of articles, you know, over the last couple of days, Mitch, knowing that you were here, and I, I think I sent you the message about the e the Epic Times or Epoch Times. Either way, it's pronounced correctly. It comes from a Greek word meaning a special time period, a special event. Um, but the Epic Times has been running a fantastic series, and even their reporter in China has been threatened by the Chinese Communist Party for her reporting. And she's in Hong Kong, and they basically told her, you know, you, you have to stop making these reports. Uh, you, you can't do this anymore. Even family members have been called in by the com Communist Chinese and said, go back to her and tell her she's in danger if she keeps on reporting this stuff in the Epic Times. Oh, absolutely. Well, our office got shut down here as well. We're doing a lot of work with the Epoch Times, NTD, uh, DKN, which is in Vietnam, and the Communist Party sent uh, spies and special agents, and we had to shut down. You know, I'm in Communist Vietnam, folks. I'm on the front lines. I, uh, you know, we're not in, we're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. You know, that's why. I, thank God you're in America because you still have the freedoms, and it's a feeling. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but anyway, I've been back and forth. Um, I, I just can't get into either Vietnam right now because the borders are all shut and we're, we're literally 200 miles away from China. 
But yes, um, the CCP has done everything in its power, colluding with its dark minions throughout the world, uh, in the Western governments, the, 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 the Communist Health Organization, uh, the United Nations, where it owns four specialized units more than any other country or superpower uh, in the United Nations. Um, it runs the, um, the CCP uh, Biden, Kamala Harris administration right now. And uh, they, they are the ones that drove Trump out. They, they rigged the entire election with Dominion systems. They have infiltrated in the West with this radical leftist liberalism. Um, and so the Epoch Times, OAN, uh, Newsmax, people like yourselves, Annie, I mean, Candace Owens, Charlie Kirk, I mean, Lada and Crowder, a bunch of people, Mark Dice, Dice Paul Joseph Watson, uh, Infowars, Alex Jones, Steve Bannon in the war room. These, this is the resistance. You can say what you want to say about Alex, but Alex has got a, a heart of gold. He's crazy and he's, he's passionate, and I've been on his show a couple of times with Owen, but they, we are in the fight of our lives against a red devil that has really uh, worked and has got big pharma, big, uh, big tech, all under its control and in its pockets. Um, and now it's exported the liberalism, which is disguised as communism, to our land, our great land of America, uh, which I miss so much. I wish I would have gone back, but I can't get out. Um, and you are seeing the Black Lives Matter, which is a radical, racist, Marxist cult, this form of racism. It's an actual style to divide people and to, 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 to round up and demonize Trump supporters, this cancel culture. And St Stephen Mung, you know, I don't know if you heard about him. He's the bald guy from, I think, Canada. He's, got, he's also pretty uh, powerful. He worked with Lawrence Southern on a lot of documentaries, but he's a great YouTuber as well. He shared something that was absolutely brilliant that I saw uh, the other day, that cancel culture, folks, is a rehearsal for mass murder. If they can get away with banning people and making people disappear on, faith, on, on, on social media, then that is, an that is a rehearsal for making people disappear in real life, sending Trump supporters, Christians, conservatives, patriots, and any truth seeker that stands up against this communist radical leftism which comes from and is sourced from the CCP, backed by the globalists, they are going to be sent to gulags and be hunted down. They're already sending blacklists. So it, it, the Epoch Times coming back, uh, circling back, uh, circling black, back um, to, uh, um, to the Epoch Times. Yeah, they are the few uh, resistance uh, 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 newspapers that really expose the CCP for where it is. And, um, David Kilgore, David Mattis, and Ethan Gutman as well. Uh, what you, that you just heard, 52 pieces of evidence exposing this evil. Well, it, when you and I first had our conversation, you know, we were dealing specifically with the Fulangang, and yes. since then I have come to learn just how invasive, and it's no other word I can think of to correctly explain communist China in their tentacles that have spread throughout the world from their road and bridges projects, from the properties mm -hmm. that they have outright purchased throughout the world. And if anyone were to see a map of the United States with a red dot over every single area that China owns property, they would be outraged. There is a naval port in Connecticut that our own naval vessels cannot enter because the Chinese Communist Party runs our U.S. naval port. 
um, their invasion into our electronic system, the 5G network that they are trying to sell, that the U.S. government is saying, oh, no, we're going to get money so we can have 5G networks, so if we're going to have the Internet and have cell phones and everything, how wonderful and beautiful it is. Well, hello, who's behind the technology of that network? The communist China. Now, I work off of Dell computers. Where are they manufactured? Out of communist China. And when you were on the show the last time, you remember my system crashed? We got kicked off the air? Uh, yes. I'm wondering if communist China is listening in. There are so many things that they are involved in. And you mentioned Black Lives Matter. Who was arming Antifa and Black yes. Lives Matter? Yes. We know for a fact that those, those arms, those firearms and other equipment was shipped by the Communist China into them so that they can go out and riot against the rest of our nation. They are so involved in our government. And uh, Mitch McConnell, everyone goes, oh, what a wonderful man he is. His shipping vessels come from where? Communist China. His wife, her father, who is he involved directly with, in, in bed with? Communist China. Fauci, you mentioned Fauci, and who? The World Health Organization. They are partners in crime. We didn't hear about the virus because who was mimicking what the communist China told them to do? We can go on and on and on for hours about Mm -hmm. how much the communist Chinese are now part of our daily life. I got to the point where when I go online to buy something, I look to see where it comes from. And even though I double-check to make sure I'm not buying anything made in China, every now and then something comes in because they hide where it's manufactured from. I want to buy something as simple as a, a, a garlic press. And I thought I was buying it from a U.S. company. But because it wasn't stamped made in the USA when it arrived, I opened it up and it stamped made in China. They are so much in our daily lives that I how how do we how do we exercise them? We need an exorcism here. Absolutely, we're in the point of no return. Like I was saying to you, um, we are living a real-time depopulation. I mean, uh, hundreds of millions of people have taken the vaccine, but that's a whole other story. But I don't want to alarm anybody. But uh, we are really in uh, revelations now, and. Going back to the organ harvesting, I mean, uh, it, 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 it's shocking what has occurred. And when the world work, wakes up to this, uh, it, it, they're, they're going to be soul-stirred. Um, but if you'd like to play another clip, uh, Annie, um, I think I have one from uh, Anastasia Lynn and then one from Edward McMillan Scott, who is the, vice pre- the three-time VP of the European uh, Parliament. And we can play that one if you'd like, just to share with your listeners about this. Hey. The, the scope of magnitude. Edward McMillan. Edward McMillan? Sure, let's do that. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, here we go. I uh, wrote a report on EU-China relations uh, in 1996-7 for the Foreign Affairs Committee and returned to Beijing in 2006, where I met uh, ex-prisoners of conscience, Falun Gong practitioners, as well as uh, made contact with a number of other dissidents and reformers. All the Chinese with whom I had contact were then imprisoned and in some cases, like Gao Zhisheng, tortured 
Gao Zhisheng is a Christian human rights lawyer, very, very well known in China, who investigated the persecution of Falun Gong and wrote reports about it. One of the people I met, Cao Dong, who had been in prison, told me the story about how his best friend had disappeared one evening from the cell in their prison. And the next time he saw him, it was his body in the prison hospital with holes where body parts had been extracted. The belief that I have, and I share with David Kilgore, that organ harvesting is widespread in China, and it is restricted almost exclusively to Falun Gong practitioners. The only prisoners in China who are routinely blood tested and blood pressure tested are Falun Gong practitioners. The organ transplant industry is in the hands of the military. The People's Liberation Army is responsible for the uh, hospitals, the transportation of body parts, and the sale of them. It is therefore a governmental activity and constitutes genocide under Article 2 of the Genocide Convention. It is as serious as that. The Falun Gong are of the Chinese regime of today what the Jews were to the Nazis during the war. And we should all take note of this and look at China with new eyes. The European Parliament uh, comes from a very diverse background. And as Peter has already said, even within this quite straightforward resolution, there are still problems because the absolute deluge of propaganda from the regime in Beijing vilifying Falun Gong as some sort of extremist cult. Now, I've met, as I said, hundreds of members of Falun Gong. It is not a sect. It is not a cult. There is no money involved. There is no uh, brainwashing. All the normal characteristics of a cult simply don't exist. These are people who practice their uh, spiritual exercises uh, on their own. And yet, as I said, because between 70 and 100 million people in 1999 were practicing Falun Gong, this was seen by Jiang Zemin, then the, the, the leader of the Communist Party, as a threat to his own position. It wasn't, of course, but he saw the opportunity of creating an enemy within. Just as during the war, the Nazis singled out the Jews as a special character, characteristic and did what they did to the Jews. The same is happening today, today to Falun Gong in China. That is why it is genocide. That's why I say it's so serious. More than two-thirds of the prisoners in China in re-education through labor or forced labor camps are Falun Gong practitioners. That is a huge number of people. Now, at the end of the Kilgamatis report, you will see a list of more than 3,000 Falun Gong practitioners who have died under torture. To the regime, those are wasted people, but nevertheless, they have died under torture in the prison camps. I've met hundreds of Falun Gong who have been through this terrible process of escalating torture. I believe that we should, in Europe, now set up something like happened in West Germany during the Cold War at Selzgitter, where an impunity index was maintained of confidential denunciations from East Germany under communist rule against torture and maltreatment. And after reunification, a number of prosecutions followed of those people. And what we need in, 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 in the world today is an impunity index maintained at an international level in my view, by the EU in conjunction with the International Criminal Court, so that people in China or other countries where there's repression may make confidential denunciations, and having talked to ex-prisoners, they tell me that the one thing that gave them some hope was that one day the torturers would be brought to account. Now, in the 
report of David Kilgore and David Matos, those 3,000 Falun Gong practitioners who've died, in those cases, it has been established where they were arrested, where they were imprisoned, who did the torture, that is listed. And that's a fundamental point. And we should never, ever give up on the idea that one day justice will be done. Thank you. Wow. So that was everything we got. Yeah, what we need is a Nuremberg trial to expose everything that's being done, but it's not going to happen because China is so wrapped up in all of these other governments, not just the United States, but worldwide. I mean, as I mentioned the bridge, the, the roads and bridges and port projects that they have, you know, in order to get stuff to go into, say, Thailand, they have to go through a communist Chinese controlled port. You, you see, Annie, and we can, and we can circle back um, uh, to America. Since the 1960s, the, the globalists, the CCP, they've wanted American freedoms taken away and make the American free society into a communist-style state. And this is what they've been doing since the 60s. But they had to do it very, very, very um, deceptively. This is, they're the masters of deception in order to turn the mind. They did it very easily with the Chinese under brutal poverty, brutal slavery, brutal murder. But they couldn't do it in the United States. They couldn't get away with it in that way. So they had to do it subtly. And this is where you've had the, the, the cancel culture the political correctness, the taking away of the guns, the dismantling of the nuclear family, the robbing of the dignity of, of, of people uh, speaking their minds. I remember there was a time in America where they were, we were, we, they were nicknamed loudmouth Americans. We could say what we wanted to say. We didn't want to, as long as we didn't put our, harm, hurt our hands on anybody or do it maliciously. There are laws for that. Slander, libel, defamation of character duly noted in the constitutional law and if there are lawyers and attorneys who are listening at this point they're all judges that is part of constitutional law but what is going on at this point in time and i think in context where it can relate to the americans who are listening to this as an american citizen myself is how it relates to you what why does it affect you because this this specter that has caused millions of deaths in china and are harvesting their own people on, is now in your backyard with a CCP puppet Biden and this vile administration tearing down the Constitution, dismantling the rule of war, opening up your borders, taking away your guns, burning your American flags, terrorizing American citizens in the name of so-called Black Lives Matter, which they don't really care about Black Lives at all, and Antifa, armed by the Chinese Communist Party. The radical left is insane. I mean, they're calling for complete democratic socialism which is marxism and communism so here we are and i mean they stole outright stole the election i mean mark lindell lynn woods uh, uh sydney powell they've all been blocked as special counsel the supreme court has been compromised all the federal levels of, of government state department justice department all compromised thank god for mark pompeo who stood up against the ccp but we are in a very tough situation i mean uh, the CCP declared war on America through cyber warfare and rigging the, and stealing the election and installing a fake puppet uh, illegitimate president who doesn't even have the, the honor of, of a 21-gun salute. It's not, thank God hasn't got the nuclear codes, but is writing all these executive orders, hopefully not getting passed. But still, where is Trump and the resistance? Where are Trump and the friendlies, which I am feeling 
are, are, are about to come back on doing something, but they have to. It's April right now. We thought in March, we thought in February. It's agonizing frustration to see a, our great nation, our great country, taken over by the CCP and the evil that they've installed inside for what? To sell their souls for a piece of gold? What made Biden sell his soul? Hunter Biden sell his soul. Clinton, Obama sell their souls. I guess it's money. I guess it's pedophilia. I guess it's just oh, yeah. control and power. Who knows? But this is the state of yeah. affairs, and it all sources back to the, the Communist Party. Yes, Curtis. My understanding. My understanding is that um, <clears throat> Trump has been lying low because he is orchestrating some things, <clears throat> and one of the one of those is um, to have um, an audit in those states that were questionable, and if this audit shows that there was indeed mass corruption like we know it was then that would bring about um a constitutional issue that would have to be brought before the states and the supreme court eventually and it could be possible and i I know you probably heard this that trump could be back in office sometime in the fall that's my understanding Oh, okay. so, there we go. There we go. Something happened where Mitch got kicked off. Mitch, you back with us? Yes, I'm back. Yes, I'm back. Um, I yeah, don't know. Curtis, I'm just... You mysteriously got got muted, and I didn't even touch the computer. <laughs> yeah. Hello, China. Yes, oh. you're listening in. We know. <laughs> it's good. It's. I mean, it, 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 it proves that we invalidates that we're, we're we're making an impact. You know, mission accomplished. Curtis, I I don't know uh, what 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 um, lies ahead. I I don't know. I'm uh, the intel that I have is quite quiet right now. It's it's almost like the calm before the storm. So uh, all I know is that we have to do something. There is going to be a divine intervention. Um, but yeah, with the CCP backing obviously the puppet Joe Biden. Um, and there's a massive amount of resistance that is occurring to expose the truth and has said that Trump's going to be coming back. General Flynn's going to be there with him. Mike Pompeo. Um, Mike Pence, unfortunately, uh, is not going to. He fell to the dark side. Unfortunately, we don't have to get into his. He sure did. What a uh, disappointment. And in uh, Ulysses S. Grant once said, there's only two groups now, traitors and patriots. Those who have aligned themselves with good and those who have aligned themselves with the CCP, evil, and the minions of the CCP. So I'm not sure what is going to happen, um, but we're in for a very dark winter because these killing shots um, are weaponized vaccines intentionally bred to kill. And they have a ticking, they, they, are, they are right now in, in the bodies of the, those who have taken them creating these massive, these ramping up these, these, these antibodies so much so that your body is going to be really weak when it comes to flu season. And that's how Rockefeller created the Spanish flu. He injected millions of people with his vaccine to stop so-called the seasonal flu. This is a history repeating itself. History is repeating itself um, with genocide and um, uh, disaster. So 
Um, I'm not sure what lies ahead, but I can only show, share the facts. Like I said, I, I'm not a magician and I'm not here to spread conspiracy theory. I'm, a, I'm not a believer in conspiracy theory, but I am a firm believer in conspiracy facts. There's, I don't even know where to start on this one because um, if, if we look at the history of our nation, you know, we were founded on basic freedom principles, on Judeo-Christian beliefs, on moral principles. Uh, but the Chinese Communist Party have this 100-year plan, which they are ahead of schedule. And what they have done uh, not just by getting inside our government, by throwing money around and everything else, they've got into our educational system. And that is brings us up to a point where we are in our history where our youth today have absolutely no idea what America truly is about, what we fought for. They don't understand freedom, liberty. They don't understand, they think equality means that everyone has the same outcome. No, everyone has the same chance to try and fail or succeed. It, we don't guarantee you success, but we guarantee you the ability to try. And our kids today don't understand it. And uh, about 10 years ago, our local paper was touting the wonderful new Confucius school that opened up in Hilton Head. And I'm like, excuse me? Confucius school. Only just an arm of the Communist Party. We have also the, the students that they send over here into our school systems from elementary all the way up through secondary, you know, colleges and universities, but are monitored and said, well, if you don't come back with X, Y, Z, you're in trouble. Your family is in trouble. We'll go after your family. There are so many things that are going on in our nation that is under the direct influence and control of the Communist Party, and we're too stupid to see it and recognize it. Absolutely. And I wanted to share something from the, the Epoch Times, uh, the communist specters ruling our world. It's communism in Western universities. And, and I just wanted to add to your point, uh, Annie. Four years of intensive indoctrination leave today's college graduates with a predisposition for liberalism and progressivism. They are, more, they are more likely to accept atheism, the theory of evolution, and materialism without a second thought. Many become narrow-minded snowflakes who lack common sense and pursue hedonistic lifestyles without taking responsibility for their actions. They lack knowledge, have a narrow worldview, have very little or nothing about the, know, know very little or nothing about the history of America or the world, and have become the main target for communist deception. Unlike the rebellious but eloquent student leaders of the 1960s, today's young protesters can really articulate their demands clearly. They lack ba basic common sense and reason. During the 2016 U.S. presidential campaign, the mainstream media's tireless vilification of conservative candidates, coupled with misleading polls, meant that many were left in shock, particularly young college students, when the results were announced. 
Following Donald Trump's victory, a ridiculous phenomenon appeared at the universities around the United States. Some students felt such fear, exhaustion, or emotional trauma from the election that they demanded that classes be canceled and exams be rescheduled. In order to help students relieve their stress and anxiety, some prominent universities organized various therapeutic activities such as coloring, blowing bubbles, and playing with Play-Doh or building blocks. So this is what we've become. We no longer have that masculinity. We don't have that uh, chivalry. We don't have that gentlemanness. We don't have that leadership quality. We don't have that confidence or balls or backbone that we, ha- we once had as American leaders, uh, whether woman or man. Now, like you said, these people, I wouldn't let lead me across the street. They are so spoiled. They don't care about the, the, the United States. As an American citizen, I wasn't born and raised, but as an American citizen, I will never allow the American flag to drop on the ground. When I see American flags being burned and stepped on and the Pledge of Allegiance being thrown out of, out of, out of uh, um, uh, schools, and that if you read your Bible or you try to wear an American flag on your, uh, your T-shirt, you get suspended. This is communism to the fullest extent. And now they're banning Dr. Seuss and Potato Head, making everyone inclusive, forcing people to accept this transgendered mental disease disorder. Nothing against transgendered or homosexual people at all. It's the, it's, it's, but how, it's, the, it's the agenda that they're pushing to poison our children, to infect their minds, and to turn them into, pedoph- into, into sexual uh, um, uh, appetites. This is why there's a massive amount of pedophilia being spread and adrenochrome, which is the blood that is being procured from torture children in China, procured by the CCP as well, selling to the elites. This is what they do. This is what demonic people do. They feed off the blood of children. And it's all coming out now. Jeffrey Epstein was the one that came out. He was, the, he was basically the cherry on top that bashed down the dam. But I think he got murdered. I'm not sure where, we, where he is now. But... Hollywood, the CCP has, has invaded Hollywood. You can't write anything that is against the CCP or this cancel culture or this political uh, correctness or this social justice warrior nonsense. People don't even want to go watch movies anymore because it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. This identity politics, it's all sourced by the CCP. And even radical jihadism, Annie, a radical jihadism, radical Islamism, extremism, all sourced to communist China, to communism. Well, you, you notice at what point in time Russia and China were at loggerheads. I mean, they, they were battling each other left and right. Suddenly now it's been pretty quiet. And yet, oh, wait a minute, now Hezbollah goes to where to get trained? Oh, Moscow, isn't that funny? And yet China claims that, China claims that they have this war against Islam, and yet we seem to find Russia and China helping or what is that oh was that country's name oh i iran isn't that the country no 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 that that's just my imagination mitch oh no am i just going overboard or wait a minute now no we've got now american companies going on this woke crusade and where are most of their products manufactured in oh yeah that's right the slave labor camps in china shall we say nike Shall we say Coca-Cola? Uh, shall we say... Uh, there is a whole list of them. Did you, oh, no. no but it, it's, we're, we're just 
conspiracy theorists here. Uh, yes, and we should be sent to gulags. These naughty, bad, racist, white supremacist Trump supporters and patriots need to be all sent to uh, to gulags. It's cancel culture. It is a rehearsal for uh, for mass murder. I mean, look at the exodus of Trump supporters, Christian conservatives, when the basically the big tech put the hammer just put the hammer down uh, on uh, on all the conservatives banning them from, from suspended from Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and they all made a mass exodus to Parler. Now Parler has bowed down and said, "Yeah, we're going to ban certain things." And so. Uh, Anyone who bows down to go? this radical leftism, I'm here. You hear me? Yeah, where'd he go? Uh, yep. Uh, no. Uh, no. I got. I got a friend of mine on the sh- on the uh, call in line on the queue here. Uh, he's a friend of the oh, show. Okay. I haven't heard from him in quite a few years. But trust me, you think I go on a rant? Let me introduce you to Sarge. Sarge, go ahead. Hey, uh, Annie. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, too long, far too long, far too long. It is great to hear you. Your guest is so pertinent, so uh, articulate to the point of eloquence. I'm enjoying everything he's saying. But just to add to a point that he just made, and I just commented on in the chat room, the Chinese have a, a nihilistic term they just coined called baijua. They, I think that's the way they pronounce it. And Vajwa is a term they came up with to describe zombified uh, uh, liberal progressives who care nothing, nothing more than to simply virtue signal everything, to place themselves on a the moral high ground because they've abandoned their religious tenets. And uh, they have contempt for them, but they are perfectly willing to use them for their nefarious purposes, and we're seeing it everywhere. I mean, I really never thought it could get this bad this fast. I mean, I knew it could get this bad. I figured it'd be more of a of a um, of a you know logical evolution over a period of time. But then I realized we are dealing with Bolshevik radicals, and they don't have time to wait. They know this is their time to strike. They spotted the weak points. They've uh, identified the uh, uh, um, the places to break through. And they are marshalling their forces to do exactly that. I mean, they are uh, they are looking at this as a blitzkrieg moment because they might not get this chance again once the American people became become fully aware of the dimensions of how they intend to fundamentally transform this country like never in its history other than maybe the revolution in 1775. And by the way, remind everybody, let's keep doing of the historical significance of the date coming up of April 19th, 1775. We need to remind people why we have a United States in the first place. God bless you, Sarge. God bless you. It was the catalyst, and I'm telling you, these people are pushing us to a catalytic moment. I've never seen anything like that. The shot heard around the world. The shot heard around the world. Yes. It's thought policing gone rampant. With, 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 with tools of tyranny that uh, Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin could only have had wet dreams about. <laughs> and they used, they used COVID. They literally used a disease as the cover 
to steal an election, and I'm going to say it until I die, until you show me evidence to the contrary, and I've got plenty of evidence to show that, 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 that there is at least a probability of it very strongly, that to steal the election from the greatest president of my lifetime, Donald John Trump, and use that COVID continually now as a cover to instill what they want to, uh, what they portend for this country. Absolute control in the form of an unconstitutional and illegal law called H.R. 1. Every single word in it, to include the ands, the ifs, the buts, and the thes, is illegal and unconstitutional. And I don't even hear, I hear, other than a few Republicans in the Senate and and, in the House, I hear hardly any pushback from these Vichyite slugs. Well, Sarge, I have, Sarge, I have sitting in front of me, actually in my hands, uh, the Epic Times Wednesday, March 10th edition, and the whole section is titled, How H.R. 1 Would Change Elections. So, (laughs) I told you, uh, uh, Mitch, I do get it, I do subscribe to it, I do read it, and I do occasionally have some of their... um, uh, reporters, editorialists on the show every once in a while. So we, we, Sarge, you know me. I don't keep my mouth shut. So we miss you, baby. Well, you're not a Vichyite, Anne. That's it. <laughs> I mean, you're not. I mean, you understand what's at stake. You understand it completely. Many it's people, who unfortunately, are not say. sitting in elective office right now. The people who are, say, are, but are, I, are I'm not out. a Vichyite. <laughs> yeah, well, the people who are are cowed. I mean, it's like they've been uh, gelded or something. Where's Patrick Henry when you need him? Oh, well, we've got Mitch here. Hey, Mitch, well, just before you go, because I know you just have a few minutes left with us, uh, I wanted to touch on something that I everyone listening, and so I put the word out on this one. There is a bill in the Senate called S-5016. It's called the Stop Forced Organ Harvesting Act of 2020, and as far as I know, it has started to advance. It went through uh, the readings uh, in the Committee on Foreign Relations, and it's starting to advance. I know something happened to it just this past month, but uh, where does it stand right now? It will not stand anywhere with Biden in power. You see, this is what the tremendous, uh, as far as saying, we have never seen in our lifetimes what is going on right now. The hijacking of our constitutional republic by CCP demonic thugs, pedophile child-killing gangsters, and satanic demons, the likes we've never seen before, and that will make Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler look like little children. The CCP and the globalist cabal, with the puppets that are in place now that have dismantled everything, or trying to dismantle everything, um, we, it's not going to reach anywhere. That's the thing. The House, of Res- the House of Representatives, the United States Senate, have passed resolutions, any after resolutions, for so many years without, without nothing because it keeps, get, it keeps getting blocked. And nowadays, when, you are, when, you're on, when, you're, when, when your special counsel with Mark Lindell and, 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 um, and Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell and Patrick Byrne and Lynn Wood okay, present mountainous amounts of material direct evidence beyond a reasonable doubt in any kind of court of law and be struck down by the, by the, by the Uni- Supreme Court of the, the, the Supreme Court of the land. 
And that's why Trump was so brilliant to put three judges in, which who betrayed him. I think the only one was uh, was uh, um, uh, uh, Clarence, uh, Judge. Uh, I think Chief Justice Clarence. Judge Thomas. That, uh, yes, Thomas. Excuse me. Um, uh, uh, defended the, the, the points, but it was shut down without any comments. That's when you know they've been compromised. So when when I hear and I hear uh, a lot of media saying, "Well, they've they've they're going to put into this law, this legislature," that there's, there's no more time. That time's passed. We are in the greatest, I guess, uh, revolutionary period. I've never we've never seen this before in our lifetimes, and I'm not sure what is going to happen. I don't know what Trump's going to do. I mean, he was on Maria Bartirano pushing the vaccines as if they were safe and effective, but we are are seeing that Pfizer and Moderna, I mean, these are terrorists. These are are antichrists, and what they have done to push the vaccines, what they've done to set up this bioweapon from China, unleashed on the world to lock down this, to take away the American freedoms and to destroy the American Constitution and the actual leader of the United States has been chased out of office. The, the, the election has been completely stolen and now they've installed the CCP puppet directly under the command of the CCP. God help us all. But I know that May I respond light to what you tunnel. just said, sir? Yes, Sarge, please. Well, well I, I, Sarge, we got like about 30 seconds. Go ahead. Oh, I don't need that much time. Uh, You commented moments ago about the ahistorical nature of most people. Well, if they did have a sense of history, they would now be looking at the purges of 1937 with the Red Army and Joseph Stalin, paranoia fueled by the ambitions and machinations of Reinhard Heydrich of the SD and the Nazis. They planted it in his head. He already had it there anyway, and they just exaggerated, so he purged his own army. They're doing that now to the most important federal institution of the United States of America, the armed forces. They are turning it into an ideological body at the higher ranks. Notice, I say from call on up, they are turning it into an ideological arm. This is as dangerous as anything we have ever seen. Yes, sir. God bless you, Sarge. We're going to have to have you back. Uh, Sarge, I'm going to mute you for a little bit because we've got our next guest coming on. Um... We have uh, our next guest in on the line, Mitch, but you also have yourself a podcast up on Rumble, correct? Um, I don't, uh, well, I, I did, yes. Um, I have, it's called Truth Unleashed, but can I leave just a, a website, Annie, for people that can go and take a look at uh, the evidence, just quickly? Okay. Uh, endtransplantabuse.org and falluninfo.net. All the reports are there, but yes, uh uh, please, and you have me on again, and I and I'd love to thank you. God bless you, Sarge, for the amazing, immaculate words that came out of your mouth. That soul and that heart, I'm with you. I'm truly with you. And God bless you, Annie, and you, Curtis, and everybody that's listening. And thank see you, you again. Thank you. Uh, well, we'll have Take you care. definitely back on soon, Mitch. God bless and sure. happy Easter. God bless. Bye uh, bye. You care. too. Uh, All right. All right, check it out. Uh, we had the links up on the show page, so if you're going to be listening into the podcast. Uh, just click on the links under Mitch, uh, Mitch Nicholas. Oh, I put Nicholas. No, I got to change that. Uh, Mitch Gerber. Uh, there's also StopOrganHarvesting.org as well as the FulanInfo.net. And we want to welcome a newcomer onto the show. She's probably going, what the heck did I just walk into our next victim online? Glenn Caroline. Good afternoon, Glenn. How are you? Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. 
you know, well, we, we got ourselves on a rant on communist China, so <laughs> you're falling right smack into the middle of the crowd. Oh, man. Um, you are actually a very, very active politically, uh, but you are concentrating right now on Second Amendment Foundation and the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms. And this actually falls into this, some of the very things we were just talking about with our previous guests, is that when they come after our liberties and freedoms, one of the first things they do is to disarm us. And we've seen the perfect example in Nazi Germany. They went after the veterans, took the guns off of them. They went after the public, took the guns off of them. And this is exactly what the, I think they're trying to do here. Well, certainly, I think we've seen with clarity throughout the campaign and even into the first few months of his administration that Joe Biden is trying to make good on his promise that he's seeking additional gun control, and he'll be aided and embedded by his allies in Congress, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So uh, certainly there will be a storm coming in the form of gun control legislation and executive authority orders by the, the White House. and. Gun owners everywhere need to be prepared to to engage to try to ensure that our freedoms remain intact. Well, you know, they this is what gets me because um, I I kind of like screwed up an interview at one point because I had the pleasure of sitting down with Newt Gingrich doing a one on one with him, and this was back in oh good lord uh, 2011 when he was running for president and. Um, he was talking about assault weapon ban. Now, I'm a retired cop, and I was in an era where we carried revolvers. And to me, I wasn't familiar with exactly what exactly assault weapon was. And I didn't challenge him on that one, and I should have. My, my bad. But we've seen it go from assault weapon to now starting to ban just about any form of a firearm. And in a recent editorial in my local communist rag, um, someone wrote an editorial about banning automatic weapons. So we have gone from military-grade assault weapons to assault weapons to AR-15s, now to automatic weapons, to New York State saying, oh, no, you can only carry seven rounds. Well, tell that to the bad guy that has a 15-round clip, and, oh, by the way, he duct tapes the clips so he can pop one out and just reverse it real quick and put another clip in. Really? How far have we gone on the crazy train here? Well, I, I certainly think that a lot of this debate centers on the ignorance of our opponents. They don't know the difference between semi-automatic firearms and automatic firearms. They're not aware of what current laws actually are or how they work. They have no understanding of whether we're enforcing existing gun laws against criminals or not. Uh, but th this is all part and parcel of a campaign to disarm law-abiding citizens. There are too many lawmakers out there that think that the average citizen uh, isn't responsible enough or doesn't deserve the freedom to exercise the choice for him or herself whether or not to own a farm to protect his or her family. Yet these politicians are all surrounded by armed guards. I mean, right now the Capitol in Washington, D.C. is really like an armed fortress with uh, National Guardsmen protecting them. But for the average person that isn't lucky enough to have 24-7 armed security, a firearm in many instances is his or her best choice to protect uh, his family. And politicians who seek to disarm law-abiding citizens under the guise that it's somehow 
going to prevent criminals, who by definition are lawbreakers, from committing crimes, is not just uh, ignorant, but is downright insulting. Well, wait a minute. Now, we've got Joe Biden, crazy Uncle Joe, uh, as our president. And wasn't he the one saying, well, you know, if if anyone tries to, you know, come at you, take your shotgun and shoot it up in the air. What the... This, Again, I mean, Joe, what, Joe Biden they, trying to be too cute by half on the gun issue just shows how uh, ignorant he is on the safe, responsible usage of firearms. Joe Biden has been a politician for literally scores and scores of years as a United States senator, as President Obama's vice president, now as president of the United States, who not only hasn't tried to hide his support for gun control, but outright brags and campaigns in his support for gun control. Uh, you know, we, we've said for a long time that elections have consequences. And when you elect people who make it public that they wish to enact more draconian gun control laws, we need to listen to what they're saying. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't successful in reelecting President Trump this time around. This is the government we now have. And, you know, our strength is in our numbers. There's 100 million law-abiding gun owners all across the country. And I do believe we, we unite in common purpose and focus on a singular mission of protecting our Second Amendment rights. We can do incredible things. So now is really the time for gun owners to not get frustrated, but really to get engaged to make sure that we still have a voice in the process to protect our freedom while we still can. Well, there's a couple of bills out there, and you had sent me emails in reference to some of them. And one of them is... <laughs> The H.R. 1446 and, and also H.R. 8, and they deal with enhanced background checks. And as I was doing my research on this one, and we've been battling this type of legislation for I don't know how long, but Jerry, the jerk Nadler, there's no other way to describe this guy, who is the Judiciary Committee chairman out of New York, uh, went up on the floor and made a statement. And um, he starts off with gun violence impacts all of our communities. And with that first statement, I immediately circled gun violence. No, wait a minute. Guns are not violent. People handling the guns may or may not be violent. Guns do not cause the violence. It's the person handling that causes the violence. So we're addressing the wrong part of this issue to start off with. Now, this bill would uh, simply extend the requirement with limit. he claims limited exceptions to guns transferred by unlicensed individuals. Now, he says unlicensed individuals. Does that mean that if you're not a gun dealer and you are daddy and you want to give your 16-year-old son a Christmas gift of a hunting rifle, you have to now become licensed and then make a background check on your own child in order to give them a gift. This is what this bill will do. Now, he goes further on, and this is where I went and fell out of my Archie Bunker chair. I swear, I fell on the floor out of the Archie Bunker chair, he goes on to say, according to one study, 22% of gun owners in the U.S. acquired their most recent firearms without a background check. We do not know if they're felons, fugitives, domestic abusers, or otherwise prohibited under the law from possessing a firearm. 
Well, excuse my language, and I'm going to say it, but no shit, Sherlock. Criminals and illegal gun possessors do not go by the law. So you can pass as many background check laws, firearm restrictions, but the bad guy is not going to give a flying you-know-what in the rain, whatever you pass, because they're still going to have the ability to possess the firearm, and all you do is prohibit a law-abiding citizen from being able to protect their own home, person, and neighbor. You're exactly right. As I said earlier, criminals, by definition, are lawbreakers. They don't abide by the law. That's what makes them criminals. So what H.R. 8 would seek to do is uh, what its supporters erroneously call universal background checks, and that's basically requiring a federal national instant criminal background check for private transfers and sales the same way we do with people who are licensed by the federal government to engage in the business of selling firearms. No check will ever be universal because criminals aren't going to abide by any type of background check. Does anybody really think that the gangbangers in Los Angeles or Chicago that already have some of the strictest gun control laws in the books now are going to say because Congress has passed a law saying that when I get my gun that was stolen from somebody and it's being sold in the street before I can take possession of it, we're going to go through a background check? Of course not. But People who are friends, who are neighbors, who are family members, who want to exchange guns or loan somebody a gun to go to the range or loan somebody a gun because they currently don't own one and they feel threatened, those people are now going to have to find the, the means to find a federally licensed dealer to conduct a background check. At times, it costs to that individual. At times, uh, at, at a time, it's going to take time when somebody might need access to a firearm immediately for emergency purposes. So this check will never be universal. All it will be is it will make private transfers, criminal activity. It will have to lead to a national registry of gun owners because the only way the government will be able to keep track of these so-called private transfers is by establishing some type of registration database. So you said it very well. The problem in this country isn't the gun itself. The problem in this country is criminals who misuse firearms. Crime is a human problem that requires human solutions. So we have to get back to focusing on the criminal element to making sure the tens of thousands of existing laws we have in the books regulating guns at the federal, state, and local level are enforced when that law is broken. And we also need to realize that law-abiding gun owners, 100 million of us, we're not part of the problem. Very often we're part of the solution. Guns are used for self-defense over a million times a year. When a crime is being committed, I'm sure you know this as a former police officer, police do a great job arriving usually after a crime is committed and investigating the facts. But it's very rare that at the the time a crime is being committed, there's a police officer that is right there to intervene. Very often, law-abiding citizens have to be their own first responder. So any law that doesn't impact criminals but makes it more challenging for American citizens who are law-abiding to exercise a constitutional right and to protect themselves, uh, to me, seems backwards in its logic. Well, you know, when I was on the job, um, our average response time was seven minutes. 15 seconds is a long time when you're in a dangerous situation. If you have to wait 7 to 10 minutes for a police officer to respond, forget about it. The the disaster has happened. You are now the victim or you're the the DOA. Uh, and, And it drives me crazy when they turn around and say, well, if you have a firearm in the house, lock it up, um, put a 
guard on the trigger so that it can't be fired even if someone gets to it. And I'm thinking to myself, how long will it take you to get to that safe, unlock it, get to the firearm, take off the trigger guard, and be able to load it and defend yourself? Well, heck, you may as well just turn around and say, hands up, go ahead and kill me. Because it's not going to happen. That people do not understand what can happen within a matter of a second or two. So when I hear them, and I'm going, all right, fine. If you've got kids in the house, I understand that. Fine. You've got to teach the kids gun safety, and that's rule number one. And you have to turn around and explain to them and teach them. But there is just a point where you push our personal safety to the utmost limit. I mean, I had, a couple of years back, some guy kept on knocking on my front door claiming to sell magazines to put himself through college. If this kid was a college age, then I'm a toddler. And the third time he came to the door, I put my 38 in my waistband, I opened the door, and I said, I give you a count of five. And feet don't fail you now. And that guy went down my driveway. Mm-hmm. Turns out he was part of a crew that was burglarizing houses in the neighborhood. And they were knocking on doors to see who would open and who was at home. You weren't at home, your house got hit. Now, how many houses did I just save by alerting the local police that this crew was in town and by chasing them off my own property? People don't understand that this is for our protection and our defense of our government they don't understand what the Second Amendment stands for. That's right. You know, at the end of the day, this issue really boils down to choice. Uh, I don't think anybody's saying that every American has to own a gun or ought to own a gun. I think what we in the pro-freedom community are saying is if you choose to exercise that constitutional right, you should be free to do so if you've done nothing to disqualify you. And people own guns for a variety of reasons. Some own them for competitive shooting, some own them for hunting, some are collectors, but many, many millions of Americans own them for self-defense. And the so-called mandatory storage laws that you just alluded to, if you're forced to keep your gun under lock and key unloaded, it renders that gun totally useless for the very purpose that that individual legally owns it because he or she would need immediate access to it if, God forbid, a criminal broke into one's house. Uh, You know, A lot of certified trainers across the country will tell you, if you own a gun, unless you need it and own it primarily for self-defense, the gun should be kept unloaded, locked up, with the ammunition stored separately. Well, that's a great strategy Mm -hmm. for somebody who owns a hunting rifle that they only bring uh, out in the deer season or a competitive shooter that only needs it on weekends. But for the millions of Americans who own and need to store guns so they're accessible for self-defense, having a a government-mandated one-size-fits-all storage policy ignores the primary reason why millions of Americans choose to own a gun, and that's for defense. Exactly. Now you throw on top of this, they're bringing back the U.N. Small Arms Treaty. Is there any reason why we should fear this? Oh, no. Wait a minute. Maybe al-Qaeda just might know how many Americans, what address and what weapons they have. Uh, so that we'll be there first. No, no, that that's not possible. It's not. No, no, Glenn, I, I'm talking conspiracy theory here, aren't I? Well, look, any time an international body 
is seeking to export foreign gun control laws onto the United States, we should all be concerned. We're unique as a country in many ways with our freedom, and one of it is that we do have a constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. You don't see advocates of the Second Amendment trying to say that every nation across the globe should adopt um, the American style of gun control laws. We, we could certainly have a discussion as to whether they would benefit or not. But the point is, whenever the United Nations or other transnational body is trying to impose upon us as American citizens who enjoy a constitutionally guaranteed right to own guns, the same type of draconian laws that uh, are in place in countries all across the globe that don't enjoy the same freedoms as we do, we should all be concerned and we should all be um, willing to stand up and speak out against that. We, we don't want that type of anti-freedom legislation or laws that we see across the globe imposed upon us in the United States because our country is different and, and we are a country that's built on freedom. and We are a government of by and for the people and we do have enshrined right in the Bill of Rights of our Constitution a, a, a God-given right to keep and bear arms. Well, I'm going to bring back on a friend of our show. Uh, he goes by Sarge, and he was a Sarge. Uh, Sarge, go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you very much, sir, for your uh, edification of us today. But I'd like to add to it. And before I make my statements, I'd like to preface them by saying I am hardcore Second Amendment. It's not about shooting bunny rabbits. It is for a body <laughs> of citizens organized for militia purposes, and I will not and if I have anything to say about it, I will not sit quietly while it is changed from anything but that. Now, I was 26 years a law enforcement officer in the state of Illinois, state policeman. I was a certified firearms and SWAT team member. When I was on active duty in the Army, I was an uh, infantryman and a tank commander, a tank gunnery instructor and small arms instructor at Fort Knox. I was a tune sergeant in the National Guard for like 22 years with a military police battalion, and I was on active duty for four years and then two war combat veteran. And I built from scratch and owned seven AR-15s in various barrel lengths and calibers. Now, I want to respond to some of the nonsense about the virtues and demerits of the AR-15, because that's what this whole discussion is principally revolving around, the AK and its variants to a lesser extent, but it's really about the AR-15 because that's the most popular single uh, firearm in the United States today, and it's the one that is the focus of all these gun grabbers' ire, and I think by looking at that, we can really understand what this is all about. It encapsulates all their terrors and their hoplophobia and everything else that's wrong with their demented psychosis. And first of all, <laughs> The AR-15 uh, and its variants is literally, literally, now and we don't need, we need to stop shrinking from telling the truth about it. We don't need to lie like they do. 80% of it in its form, you can get a civilian, is actually more effective, marginally so, than the M4 and M4A1 carbine carried by the armed forces. Why? Because even though it's not capable of selective fire, the M16 rifle was never intended to be a fully automatic weapon anyway most of the time. The full automatic feature is for uh, suppressive fire, recover maneuver elements, and in the final stages of an assault. That's primarily what it's for. And maybe uh, firing along the final protective line when your perimeter is about to be overrun. That's it. 80% of the time, you're supposed to be shooting in semi-automatic. If you'll notice the way the selector lever is placed, the first position you come to after safe is semi-automatic, not full auto, 
Because it's semi. It's intended to be used for that purpose. It's got a light barrel. You fire it in full auto too much, it'll overheat, and you'll shoot the rifling out of the barrel. So you you got to do it sparingly. So we, since the National Firearms Act only allows you to have minimum a 16-inch barrel without a tax stamp and a $200 transfer payment to the federal government, the 16-inch barrel is actually more effective in terms of velocity and accuracy than is a comparably barrel-twisted military 14-and-a-half-inch barrel. So for 80% of the work, which is what you're supposed to be using it for, semi-automatic, your rifle AR-15 is every bit as effective for militia and military use as is the same rifle carried, well, nearly the same rifle, carried by members of the Armed Forces of the United States. Now, why is that significant? Because when the, when the, when the uh, militia came out in April 19th, 1775, they were carrying, for the most part, or for, in, the, in the large part, muskets that were the equivalent of the brown vest that the British infantry were carrying. And they met them on that basis. And, and in the running gun battle, Lexington Conquer, all the way back to Boston, they were shooting at it with comparable or better weapons that might have been Pennsylvania rifles, technologically superior to the, right, to the uh, shoulder arm that the average British infantryman was carrying in, the, in that time. So... It's about military purposes. It's not about bunny rest. Not even strictly speaking for defending yourself against criminals, although for most people that's the most important use it will have. And look, we need to tell people. As far as I'm concerned, it ought to be the selective fire version anyway because that's the modern-day equivalent that every army equips its soldiers with now. Nobody equips its soldiers with a semi-automatic version only weapon, firearm anymore for the average soldier. Nobody. Everybody's got a selective fire weapon now. Everybody. So that should be the weapon available to the citizen militia today in the United States. But since it's only semi-automatic for the most part, let's not even let them think about banning the AR-15 and its variants. Not even contemplate. Don't keep your hands off my piece. It ain't yours unless you've been issued. And you ain't going to buy it back for me unless you pay me a million dollars for it. Sarge, take a breath. Let's let's Glenn respond, okay? (laughs) Go ahead, Glenn. Well, I I mean, I, I think... Sarge makes a lot of very good points, and one of the key points is the distinction between a semi-automatic firearm, which fires one round per squeeze of the trigger, whose technology has been around for more than a century, and the specific AR-15 and its different variants that that Sarge refers to are are probably the most commonly owned rifle in America today, and it is used for self-defense. It is used for small game hunting. It is used for competitive shooting. Uh, Many Americans choose that as their firearm because it most suits their distinct needs, whether it is self-defense or any other need. And fully automatic firearms, machine guns that fire multiple rounds with a single squeeze of the trigger, the new manufacturer of those firearms have been banned since 1986. What the anti-gunners try to do is they try to confuse American uh, ignorance or lack of knowledge of the distinction between a machine gun and a semi-automatic firearm to try to convince Americans that we're banning military-style firearms which we're not. As Sarge noted, there's not a military in the world that uses only a semi-automatic rifle. They're all capable of selective fire. But they've created this boogeyman based on the way a firearm looks, based on its cosmetic features, to try to scare the American people and to think they're, they're banning something that's going to make a dent in crime. And not only are the AR-15s and their variants the most commonly owned firearm by American citizens, with tens of millions of them being owned, but they are one of the least used firearms in any type of shooting. 
rifles of all types, forget about whether they're semi-automatic or bolt action or pump action, rifles of all types are used in about 2 to 4% of all violent crimes in the United States. The semi-automatic firearms that Congress seeks to ban, and every one of these firearms is indeed a semi-automatic firearm, are used in only a fraction of that percentage. So these aren't the guns that are disproportionately used by criminals, but they've created this boogeyman. They, they look at this as the low-hanging fruit, and they believe that this is the first step. If they can somehow ban these semi-automatic firearms based on their cosmetic features, once they've accomplished that and they realize, well, it hasn't made a difference in crime, then they'll start going after what we would consider traditional hunting rifles and hunting shotguns and handguns and pistols, et cetera. So um, this is just the first step in a larger campaign to, to disarm law-abiding American citizens because too many politicians, including the occupant of our White House right now, just don't believe that the average American citizen can be trusted to exercise his own constitutional rights. And if you're an American citizen who believes in liberty, whether you own a gun or not, you should find it offensive when your commander-in-chief doesn't think you're capable enough to decide for yourself uh, how and which constitutional rights to exercise, including the Second Amendment. You know, when I was in Vietnam, the point man in an infantry squad was frequently issued either an Ithaca M37, a Winchester Model 1200, or a Remington Model 870 shotgun with a five-round tubular magazine. You put one up the spout, so you had six rounds available to take on the enemy at the point. If you ran into them, that was a weapon of war. They only modified it slightly for military use. It was essentially the same thing, same thing civilians could get and use, and many millions had at the time the Vietnam War was going on. It was a weapon of war. I guess they have to ban that because it's a weapon of war, too. It's silly. It's beyond silly. But, look, I'd just like to finish my remarks with this one, one thing that, we got, that uh, I got in my hands right now. It's called uh, The Fighting Bunch. Uh, it's about the Battle of Athens. This is a book I got, oddly, from Amazon. The Battle of Athens and how World War II veterans won the only successful armed rebellion since the Revolution. Athens, Tennessee. World War II veterans yep. came back. They were confronted with a corrupt and tyrannical Democrat organization that would not allow them the right to exercise their franchise. These tough, battle-hardened men had been fighting tyranny for three and four years, and they just weren't putting up with it when they came home. And they literally used military weapons, civilian-owned arms, and shot it out with the authorities. It's been a very much suppressed part of American history to a large extent because the participants were afraid of being prosecuted for many of the illegal actions they did. But nonetheless, they were successful, and many of the leaders of this rebellion went on to have successful political careers, and, and things like, but they just wouldn't want to talk about this. If you're interested in it, no. I can't remember, recommend the book highly. Again, more highly. Again, it's the Fighting Bunch, the Battle of Athens, and our World War II veterans won the only successful armed rebellion since the Revolution. Well, Sarge, I think back in the 1990s there was a film made about that. But I'm going to put you on mute now because we've got our next guest coming in on the line. So I want to thank Glenn for uh, joining us, and I want to welcome you back again. Tell Bill to give me a shout, and we'll have you back on because there's so much more to talk about. People can reach you because you are with two organizations, the Second Amendment Foundation, the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, and I have a link on the website to the Second Amendment Foundation for them. Where else can they find you, Glenn? Well, we're on social media as well, but I believe that if you put our website link, which for the Second Amendment Foundation is www.saf.org, and for the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, 
www.pcrkba.org. Those are probably the two best ways to keep track of what we're doing and find out how you can help join the fight to protect the Second Amendment. Well, God bless you, and definitely have to get you back on because there's so much more to talk about. And have a very blessed Easter. Same to you. All right. All right. Uh, Check out uh, Glenn Carolyn, and there's a link on the show page that you can click on while you're listening to us. want to bring up our last victim of the day uh, is Pastor Tanya Thompson. Uh, She has a petition going on in Florida uh, to bring back prayer in our schools, something that uh, I think is very important because very few people even know that we have a national Bring Your Bible to School Day that I support. I believe it's in September. So welcome aboard and have a blessed Easter, Pastor Tanya. Great afternoon. How are you doing? Oh, we are having one of those rock and rolling days. And I (laughs) I have to admit, today is Good Friday. And traditionally, I never, ever, ever broadcast on Good Friday because I believe it's a day that should be kept separate and holy. Uh, But... I have been saying for the last couple of months, and Curtis will attest to it, that the Lord has been having a way of leading me down a certain path, and today's show has been exactly that. He said, nope, I want you on the air. I want you talking. There's important issues that you need to talk about. And Curtis called me late last night as I was doing my notes, and he says, (laughs) I have this woman that I think would be fantastic. And I said, Curtis, bring her on. I know nothing about you, but I do know that you have a purpose for being here, so we're going to just rock and roll with what the good Lord has told us to go. Okay. Well, um, well we um doing prayer back in school. I have partnered up with her name is Felice, her name is Lisa Townsend, and um, it all started back in 2018 where God had gave her the vision to put prayer back in school. Now, I do work in a school. I do work in a school 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 system, Duval County school system. So I'm um, a cafeteria manager. So I've been in school system for 20-plus years. So I'm from north, then I had transitioned to Florida. And, you know, as growing up, I remember saying, a prayer in school. We would say prayer in school, or we would even pray over our food. You know, so now as growing up and even in the school system, certain schools don't even say the Pledge of Allegiance no more. So in my school, we don't say the Pledge of Allegiance no more. They would say, well, let's say the Pledge of Allegiance and let's have a moment of silence. They don't even do that anymore. And when she came to me about putting prayer back in school, I said, wow, what a coincidence. So now we are, we got a team of people. So now we are called the ambassadors to put prayer back in school. And it's very important to put prayer back in school. So being in the school system, you see a lot that's going on. There's bullying. There, you have teachers that are in it just to get a paycheck where you have teachers that will tell ch- children to go to the office and take your medicine. It's like they programming these kids where you have teachers that will say, oh, you're not going to be nothing or you know, sit down, do this and that. So it's very important to put prayer back in school, but not even important to put prayer back in school, to even put prayer back at home. So, and the Lord came to me yesterday and said that if we even start with just a simple prayer in school, a child could go home and say, Mom, I said a prayer that maybe that God 
to even help me pass this test, just a simple prayer. If we could put on a ballot, um, let's pass marijuana, why we can't put prayer on the ballot? That's a very good question. Now, uh, growing up, um, when I was originally going to school, we always had the national anthem, but we always had a prayer. And then suddenly now it's no, um, there's certain students that don't want to have to stand up and while everyone else is praying. All right, fine. You can sit down while everyone else stands up to say a prayer or listen to the prayer being recited. Uh, I don't want to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. All right, you can sit down for the Pledge of Allegiance. It's gotten to now no longer a prayer. It was now a moment of silence. Well, if you don't agree with the moment of silence, it's okay. But you just sit down. You don't have to stand. And now, no, no longer even a moment of silence. Now, no longer even the National uh, Pledge of Allegiance. We You're have right. mollycoddled to a minority of our society. The majority of our society has mollycoddled the minority, and I think it's time that the, the minority voice gets heard again. And you are 100% right, because we say that the kids are our future. Correct me if I'm wrong. We say that they're the next doctor, the next preacher, they're the next lawyer. So if we say they all that, what are we doing to renew their mind? So right about now, they being trans, their minds are being transformed to the world right about now because we are allowing the educated system being transformed to the world mind right about now because we allowing them to dictate to us what they want to do. We allowing them to dictate to us, oh, I'm not going to this class today. And I'm telling you, I see it because I work in an elementary school. You allowing a fourth year old, I mean, a, a, a fourth grader to tell you, well, I'm going to roam the halls today. Oh, you allowing a third grader to say, well, I'm not going to go to class right about now. And then he sit in the cafeteria. You allow a second grader to tell you, well, I'm not going to do this. So we allowing them to do this because they they have society saying, well, you know, you can't say this to them and you can't say that to them because of society. Oh, well, you know, if this happens, you know, pick up a phone and, and call this person. They got the society all in their mind where it is when I used to grow up, you know, if Aunt May on the street see you do something, she grabbing you by the ear and she taking you down to your, your parents. Now is if you on the street rolling up a blunt, oh, the neighbor next door to you, rolling up a blunt with you. Where do it all end at? It's, it's as if the inmates are in charge of the insane asylum. Now, oh. we, we do not allow we do not allow a five-year-old to drive a car. We do not Come allow a five-year-old to smoke a cigarette or drink alcohol, yet we're allowing that same five-year-old to dictate behavior to the mm-hmm. adults who should be the one who should be the moral and educational uh, guardian to that child. We are no mm-hmm. longer guardians to our children. Our children are telling us that we're too old and too stupid to know better, as if we don't know anything about life, and they do at the age of five. At the age of, no, let's start at. Let's start at nine months. They know how to use a phone. 
they know how to stroll, they know how to click on YouTube, and they know how to watch videos. Let's start at that age right there. You know, um, I was telling the group yesterday that, you know, my husband and I, we are from up north, and um, we had to get our We're girls up from up north. Ma'am? We're up north. We're up north. North, north New Jersey. Uh, northern New Jersey. I'm from Long Island. Okay, so I was born in Manhattan, and we had moved to Harlem. Then from Harlem, we had went to the Bronx. From the Bronx, we had went to North New Jersey. Well, wow. I was. <laughs> I had a business on Long Island. I managed a few businesses on Long Island, and I left the corporate world to become a New York City cop in Brooklyn, New York. So, and my mom and, is from Northern New Jersey too. So, and I have a aunt. <laughs> and I have a aunt that I still have family in Long Island. Huh? What a, a small wow. world. <laughs> What a small world. Very small world. And, um, yes, very small world. And we had to move from Newark, New Jersey, because um, of the gang-related. Um, yes. Oil and water don't mix. So my husband has nephews that are Bloods and Crips. So Ooh. it's something that we didn't want to, you know, raise our girls up around. And um, he has a nephew that's a colonel. That's like one of the highest ranks, okay? So if you're mm-hmm. a colonel and you're still locked up, but you're still running the streets, okay? Mm. So that's something that we we had to make a choice to leave up there. Not say that we were afraid, but we wanted something better for our kids. So we came down here to educate the people about gangs. Because if you don't know what your child getting into, if you don't know the signs, if you don't know the street language, if you don't know the colors, the different colors that they starting to wear, then you lost to society. My nephew father got killed at the age of 17. He wasn't in the game, but he had on the wrong color, walking through the wrong set. That means he was in the wrong territory. So if mm-hmm. the people don't know how, if the, the parents don't know, how would they know what's going on inside their household? So this, so this is why I'm so compassionate about the youth. My husband and I are so compassionate about the youth. This is why I pray so hard for the youth. This is why I will walk the streets for the youth. This is why I would get petitions from here to Miami if I have to fly or drive to get petitions signed for the youth. This is why I'm still inside the school system. Every year I ask God why I'm still here. He said, why not Why not you? He said, why not you be an advocate for the youth in, inside the school system? This is why I go to work at 545 in the morning, but don't clock in to 630 because as I walk inside that school building, I begin to start praying this for the youth. Even before COVID even had hit, they would even bring kids into my office, certain kids for me to pray for. But now you can't do that because you can't touch the kids just because of COVID. But I still could set the atmosphere and pray for these kids. Sometimes we need to not think about the title. And people got these titles all mixed up. 
you know, just because you are t- you you have a title, you you can't do certain. No, you you have a title. Get the towel dirty. We have to come outside these four walls, and we need to do something about our youth. You got youth standing on the corner. You got youth bringing guns to school. You got youth bringing shanks to school. You got youth doing this. You got youth bringing drugs to school. I see it every single day. Every day, every day, I, I had somebody, I guess it was a fifth grader, happened to drop some pills on the line. I said, now, this was a fifth grade class, and they bringing, they bringing drugs inside the school. Where they, where they do that at? I had, a, I had a third grader gave my cashier some money, and my cashier didn't know, and the money was folded up so nice and neat. She just took the money and didn't even open it, and it was laced with cocaine. How did that happen? Because the child grabbed it off the, the parent dresser and then shoved it inside the pocket. We need to pay attention to our youth. Man, these kids are coming in from households where parents are not taking responsibility for that child. We have, we have allowed government is now the one raising our kids. And well, what did Ronald Reagan say? The world's worst words you could ever hear is, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. Uh-uh. we got to get government off our back. we got to take back our moral responsibility for not just our own lives, but the lives of the children we bring into children. this world. And not just the children we bring, but our neighbor kids, too. Because if we see them doing something wrong, you guys say, well, wait a minute, we got a problem here. I mean, I had a problem with one of my neighbors. One day I was looking out the front window and my neighbor's kid was poking his head into my mailbox. And Mm -hmm. I just very politely went across the street and I says, ma'am, I don't know what your kid's into or what's he doing, but he had no right of going into my mailbox. And he was not dropping off a letter because there was nothing left in my mailbox. And Mm -hmm. you don't know that, but it is a federal crime. Now, I can pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. And call the cops and have him arrested, or I can talk to you and have you do something with that kid. She was upset with me, right. but then after that, she became my friend. You know, there is a way right. to handle this, a it's right a way. way to handle this. And then if it doesn't work, then you pick up the phone and you drop the dime. Because we can't allow right. our society to degrade to the point where there is no morals, no virtue, and no law. And that's what we're getting right, right. now. Right. Ms. Thompson. Yes, ma'am. Yes, um, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Just change your gender, Curtis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in. I was intrigued yesterday when I, I heard you speak up in Jacksonville. You said mm. something interesting about um, when they want to um, take the kids out of the classroom, they would send them to watch a certain TV program. Uh, could you tell the audience on what program that was, again, with, with a J? A TV program? Jerry. Um, a TV program, okay. I had a lot going on Jerry. yesterday. Springer. Jerry? Jerry Springer? Yeah. Was that me you talking said- about that? No, might have I know been up. I was saying it might that. have been up late. But Okay, you know, I, I think it was her, but I know um okay, now I know in certain high schools they do have prayer groups, but they only allow to pray outside. 
They're allowed to pray outside by the tree or by the flagpole. They can't pray inside the building. Yeah, I think so, she, what she was talking about is when they want to, like, discipline the kids. Like, they're too bad in class. They send them down to some other kind of room, um, in-house suspension or something, and they watch Jerry oh. Springer. But oh, anyway, no, that wasn't you, me. That was somebody else. That was the other lady. But yeah. can you tell us about your petition drive and how many you need and about how many you have right now? Accumulated okay, right now. now we have, as of yesterday, she gave the number. We got 2,000 petitions. We need 809,280. Let me get the number correct, guys. We need over a million, a half a million petitions, guys. And I know the number sounds big. It sounds big to us, but it's small to God. It is Mm -hmm. small to God. So like I said yesterday, if everybody knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, (laughs) we could get this done. We could get this done. We need... Where can people find the petition? Okay. You could email. It's prayer back in school eight at gmail dot com. I'm writing this down. In uh-huh. school. The number eight? The, the number eight at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Mm-hmm. Or you could contact Pastor Lisa at 727-698-5719. Uh, have you thought about maybe putting this online somewhere? Um, yes, they are working on that. They are working on that where it's thought that we could go online and um, pull it up. But um, I could actually send um, send you an email, and you could get it, and you could print them up. But they well, are I, working I on I, a website. Well, it looks like your friend, Pastor Lisa, is in our switchboard because that number you just gave me just popped up here. So let me try to see if I can bring her on. Pastor Lisa, are you with us? Pastor Lisa? I see that the phone number's there. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we got you, ma'am. How are you? All right. (laughs) Okay. We we, we got your friend here, uh, Pastor Tanya and Pastor Lisa. Um, You've got yourself a marvelous (laughs) petition, and we were asking about you getting it online so we can, you know, disseminate it out to the other social networks and get more some signatures on there. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. To God be the glory. Yes, uh, Pastor Tanya Tanya Thompson, she is a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful woman of God. She is, I tell you, my elevation and my gravity. And uh, (laughs) she's an awesome, (laughs) yes, she's an awesome ambassador for prayer back in school. And 
is so much going on in our schools from public to private, and we need to take back our children. This is not about race. This is not about religion, not about denomination. It's about our children need spiritual guidance. Well, you know, this, and so, this is what our, our society is getting so wrong at this point in time. As I told Pastor Tanya, it's the, the inmates are in charge of the insane asylum. You know, suddenly now mm-hmm. the child knows better than the parent. Now, somewhere along the way, we have abrogated our responsibility to raise these children, giving them moral and virtual and spiritual guidance, teaching them, yes, you want that piece of chocolate candy right at this moment, but it's not going to be good for you, and this is why. So you're going to have to have your breakfast first and blah, 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 and you have to go to school. We are not teaching them to be a responsible member of our society. We're teaching them it's me first and no one else around. And this is where we're really going wrong, and this is where the two of you bringing these ideals back to us is so, so important. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, uh, like she said earlier, so beautifully, you know, explained by, by Pastor Thompson that, um, you know, God gave us the, when I say us, my husband and I, gave us the the vision, you know, to put prayer back in school. And the genesis is I was sitting on the sofa with my husband and in and out of sleep and uh, just enjoy the the comfort of him. And he was watching at that time um, the Hall of Fame uh, awards acceptance or whatever. This was 2018. And at that time, uh, Mr. Ray Lewis, he was accepting his his uh, award, and he gave a speech. And mind you, I was in and out of sleep laying on my husband's arm. So he said, and God woke me up in the, I tell you, I mean, at the precise moment. He said, you know, talking about the issues of life and children and how he had it kind of hard growing up. But he said, quote, you know, I wish someone put prayer back in school. And that was a dynamite. <laughs> so, mind you, God had already confirmed it. God had already confirmed it, but he used the vessel of honor, the man of honor, uh, Ray Lewis, to reaffirm. And so we got to start working, you know, doing research and, you know, looking it up. Has anyone ever tried to put prayer back in school? Because it was taken out. Well, it's been out now over 50 years um, by Miss Marilyn O'Hara. And there is a story behind that. And just to give you the backdrop, um, she just, you know, she, she just got so angry with God um, because she had lost her child. And so she couldn't take it out on the doctor. She didn't take it out on family members. She took it out on God. So she's like, well, look, I'm just going to do something that kind of really, you know, hits home. So she went to the legislative side of it, the courts, and she took prayer out of school within one year. Now, there are 12 months in a year. So within one year, she took prayer out, and she accomplished that. And no one in 50 years 
thought, hey, let's put prayer back. The church was silent. The people were silent. And silence is a response. When you don't mm-hmm. stand up for what's right, it creates havoc. It creates a vortex of uh, depression and uh, going through anxiety. So, yeah, he gave us this 2018, and we've been going back and forth to Tallahassee, which is the capital of Florida. And um, and so we uh, did the legislation part, and on uh, December 30th, 2020, we received the legislation um, acceptance that we could petition to put prayer back in school. So that was so monumental, so so emotional at the time for me. And uh, we got the petitions. And February 27th, we started dispersing the petitions out to everyone. And we are a little over 2,000 now, and we're going strong. And we're so excited. Yeah. Mm. Well, as soon as you get that website up, I'd love to have you come back on so we can have people hitting that website. I'm sure you will exceed the number that you need. Let's say $2 million. Maybe? Fingers fingers Absolutely. Absolutely. My hands are raised. My hands are raised. My hands are raised. My but then to put prayer back in school, we got to go through all of this. That lets mm-hmm. us know that uh-huh. our country, our country, is so um, in a state of emergency. Uh, we we've got to get things back. I mean, this country was founded on Christianity, you know. So we've got to get it was- this country back. We've got to take our children back. Of freedom of faith, and our First Amendment says Congress shall not erect any laws establishing a religion, nor prohibit the free expression thereof. So when you have a little girl sitting in a cafeteria saying a prayer over food just before she eats and being chastised for simply bowing her head in prayer, that's not right. That is not the message we should be sending our children. And you, the two of you, have the stick on the right end. <laughs> the rest of right. the nation is the wrong end. And we, we've got to get rid of this Jezebel spirit out there that is taking faith yeah. away, taking morality away, yeah. taking virtue away, taking mm-hmm. the law away. And and, and mm-hmm. God right. bless you for working so hard to reestablishing this, Pastor Tanya and uh, uh, Pastor Lisa. Mm-hmm. But to God be the glory. To God be the glory. We are vessels of honor. And, uh, you know, Pastor Tanya Thompson, she's one of, like I said, one of the chief ambassadors of prayer back in school, her and her husband. And uh, we're just excited that God has connected all of us all together. It's it's 12. Many of them, well, four of them work out of town. Uh, But they're just as hands-on. And we're just excited. We have a big 
um, event coming up tomorrow, Family Expo at uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, at the um, James Weldon Johnson Park. And uh, we're going to be out there um, selling T-shirts as well as asking people to sign petitions. So this is an ongoing um, passion for both of us because we, we love children. Children are the most vulnerable, most voiceless uh, people, and the uh, only thing they desire is love and acceptance. Mm. And so we yeah. as adults, we've got to get it together because they're watching us. They're watching us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not only just about putting prayer back in school and then we're done for the day. No, it's building from that foundation, letting them know that they are somebody you know, giving the words of affirmation and confirmation, you know. Well, children mimic what they see adults do. And if we behave badly, the child is going to grow up and behave badly. And this is the problem here. We need to take personal responsibility. And for some reason, there's always the Twinkie defense. The Twinkie made me do it. Um, I burnt my lap because I had hot coffee. So McDonald's gave me hot coffee, so I sued McDonald's. Wait a minute. Take personal responsibility for your actions. But our society today has gone so far left that we have forgotten that God gave us free will. He gave us a choice on how we behave. We behave badly, there's going to be consequences. We behave good. There are consequences, but there are also magnificent rewards. And it, we have to bring our society back to behaving good. And we're not allow, we're not doing that. We're allowing bad behavior to run rampant. And you know you're what? You are, are, yeah. You're absolutely, I'm sorry, Pastor. Are you absolutely no, right no. about that? Absolutely right about that. What I want to say is, if anybody out there is in the state of Florida and if you would like for us to come and get some petitions signed in the city, yeah. in your national yeah. city, county, wherever, we yeah. will come out there and get it done. We are available. Just let us know. We, you know, just we'll, we'll set up a Saturday. We'll come out there. We'll have some fun. And we'll just come and get out, do it. And the kids, I want to piggyback what um, Pastor Lisa was saying. The kids, all they, all they, all they want is they are looking for love. Yeah. Our kids yeah. are looking for love, and I see it. They are looking for love because sometimes they don't even get the love at home. They are looking oh, for some God, mentors. Yes. They are looking for they yeah. are looking for love, and I see it. I see kids. <clears throat> I I stepped out in in the cafeteria. And I do see some kids put their heads down and pray before they eat. Now, I do see that. I was getting in my car the other day, a couple of weeks ago, and I saw a young man carrying a Bible. I tried to grab my phone so fast to snap that picture so I could show Pastor Lisa, but God said, y'all on the right track, on the right track, just to let me know that, okay, it's about to be prayer put back in school. A young man carrying a Bible couldn't be no more in, in a third grade. He said, y'all are on the right track. But, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I want to say. But, oh, my goodness. Now, am I, have... am I right you guys want to um, carry this 
nationwide? If we could, if we could, if we could, once we get Florida, look at here. Yeah. If we could do this nationwide, I'm all in for it. I got my running partner yeah. with me. All right. Yes, that that is the goal. That is the goal, man of God. That's the that, goal. Uh, um, Florida will be will be the first state to have um, effective prayer back in school. And yes, we are taking. As a matter of fact, my son told me the other day. He just out of the blue, you know, he just came and and, and said to me, he said, Mom, God told me that prayer back in school will be global. And I mm. I share that mm. with Pastor Pastor Thompson mm-hmm. and uh, yep. you know her husband, her uh, Pastor Thompson husband Bishop Thompson, awesome man of God, full of life, full of wisdom, and he uh, I think two weeks before Michael said what he said, Bishop Thompson uh, prophesied the same thing, different verbiage, but the same the same wording. And, you know, out of the mouth, yeah, two or three witnesses let the word be established. So it's just evident that before Christ comes back, and we do know he's coming back, right. we want everyone to hear and know that he loves us, he cares about us, he is hope, he is love, but we've got to know that. We've got to believe it. We've got to believe it, and it first starts with our children. Absolutely, absolutely. And what is missing in our society, we we have allowed God to be taken out of our everyday life. We have been silent. Oh, yes. You can't say Merry Christmas. And what I've started doing whenever I, I go somewhere, whoever I speak to, have a blessed day. I always say that. God bless you. Have a blessed day. And every time I've done it, I, not once has ever anyone said something bad. Every last person has always smiled and said thank you. And we've got to start with something as simple as that to let people know it's okay. It's okay to express our faith. It's okay for us to give a blessing to another person, to let them know that we pray for them in our heart. And for some reason... It's a bad thing to do. But no, it's not. People yearn for this. If we don't have something higher to strive for, then why are we here? Then we have no purpose. Mm. Am I right, Pastor? Lisa? Or You're right. Yes. You're right. Yes. You're right. Yes. You are 100% right. Because guess what? We could, have been the, we could be the very thing that could have saved that person's life. Yes. Because somebody could have suicide on their mind mm-hmm. or trying to kill somebody, and just by you saying, have a blessed day, that could yeah. change the whole atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And, this is, and this is why we need prayer back in school, to change the atmosphere. Because we don't know what's on these kids' minds. Suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. kids getting mm-hmm. angry at other kids. Okay, a, a, a young a, a young guy told a girl just to move up to the line. 
and she did a 360. She snapped. She started yelling and started hitting at him. I said, well, Jesus. I said, well, what's going on? He said, Miss Tanya, I just told her to move up. I said, I know that. I said, baby, I need you to calm down, breathe, and take 10 seconds and step to the back of the line. She just started screaming for no apparent reason mm-hmm. and just started slapping the boy in, in his face. We don't know what's going mm-hmm. through these through these kids' minds, but the, the teachers want to be so quick to tell the, the parents, your child needs to go get tested. Is something wrong with your child? No, it's nothing wrong with the child. We need to start praying for these kids. Stop telling the parents, mm-hmm. go get your child on some Ritalin. Go get your child on this. No, it's nothing wrong with the child. Start praying for the child. Yeah. That's all the child yeah. needs is prayer. Yeah. 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 Guidance, y'all got love. Me. Y'all got, me, y'all, y'all got me hyped up right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say a big amen to that one. <laughs> but that's, that's what's lacking. Guidance and saying, all right, that's Guidance. wrong behavior. And we have to turn around and teach them the basic golden rule that you do unto others yes. as you would have done to you. Isn't that it goes... Love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul. And yes. love thy neighbor as mm. thyself. What Christ has taught yes, us, place yourself in that other person's shoes before you react. And think about yes. that. And we don't teach and these yes. kids that. We teach them it's me, myself, and I. And, that, and that's I. not what the Lord taught us. It is not me, myself, and I. I am last. It's others before me. And we're not teaching yes. these kids that. To yes. love Ms. and Thompson. respect those. Even though you sure. don't agree with them, still love them and still respect them. That's Go right. ahead, Curtis, yes. please. You, you mentioned something yesterday about setting the, the environment or the mood before the kids even come in the cafeteria. Can, can you talk about yes. that a little? Yes. Before the kids come in, they come they come in at 11 o'clock. I have to step inside that cafeteria and pray. I have to, my staff be sitting up, and my staff know. I talk about God all day long. I don't care. This my this my cafeteria. At between 11 <laughs> and 12.30, it's my cafeteria. Go, so I'm going to talk about God. Okay. So I get in there and I pray before the kids come up in there because I have to set I have to set the tone. I have to set the atmosphere. As my husband said, said, make the atmosphere conducive to your spirit. And I had to learn that because I got somebody up in there a couple of months ago. He said, this my domain. I'm saying, I said, oh, really? I said, well, let me start setting this atmosphere. I set the atmosphere and I start praying. Wednesday was our last day. I sat in there. I said, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I said, I set this atmosphere right now. I said that every child that will come through here will be submitted under the authority of the the, the high, mighty God. Because if you don't set that atmosphere, them kids are going to start acting like a duck without a quack. They're going to start cussing and fussing and doing every other thing. So I have to set the atmosphere so the kids can understand, not the kids, mm-hmm. the spirit can understand yeah. who's, in, who's in charge. Because those kids don't know. It's, it's not the kids. It's the spirit. The word says, wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and dark and high places. It's not the kids 
it's the spirits that are wrestled around with those kids, and I see it. I'm seeing now those kids, those, ooh, those fifth, those fifth graders, one in hundred choke those kids. It's the spirits that I want to choke out them kids, cause them fifth graders they used to give me so much. But now all I got to do is take my glasses off because they can't see my face behind the mask. But all they got to do is look at my eyes and know, oh, Miss Tanya ain't playing. Because I, I tell them in a minute, my, this my cafeteria. I shut these snacks down. I'm like they parent away from home. Somebody got to do something. I shut these snacks down. Y'all won't buy no snacks. But Miss Tanya, look. Y'all cut up, as my daughter would tell my grandson. You gonna get cut up, you gonna act up, you gonna get snatched up. Well, y'all gonna y'all gonna get act up and no snacks this whole month. So that's how I have to uh, set my cafeteria. Well, as I said, we've got to be on alert for that Jezebel spirit because she looks for those those people that she can inhibit and inhabit. And yes, <laughs> all we have to do is look at Queen Camilla Mella in the White House. Uh, you see it right there, right with her, with the nasty Pelosi. You see the Jezebel spirit at work in the world. And as we said, we are in a battle. And we've got to, as you said, gird ourselves in the armor of the word of the Lord. You and got ladies, to. You, you're, you really got to. And we've got, we got, we got to, to put the whole armor on. You've got to put the whole armor on when it comes to these kids. You really do. When when they when when it comes to these kids, when you got a kid to you talking about Miss Tanya, I'ma kill you. I said, Come on, booger. You wanna kill me? Come on. Oh, Miss Tanya, you know I wanna play? Nah. I ain't playing. When you got a kid that bring a, a gun to school, it's a problem. It's a issue. Yeah. It's right, a, it's right. it's an issue. It's an issue at home. It, yeah. It's it's an issue when you yeah. got to have security and cops monitor the school. It's an issue. It's an issue. Yeah. It's an issue with yeah. the kids, and it's an issue at home. This is why it's important that we need to be bring prayer back in school because a simple prayer could change a child life. The simple prayer could change a home life because all that kid got to do is say, Ma, I pray today that we, we would get some food. Ma, I pray today that I'll pass my test. And all that kid got to keep saying, Ma, I pray today, Ma, I pray today, and it's going to turn around, and then that mom going to mm-hmm. say, Baby, let's pray before you go to school. Yeah. And another thing you had hope. said yesterday, you said that, you know, the kids don't get a lot of affirmation, you know. They they always get told what what they're not and what they can't do. But you're, yeah. you're good about, you know, telling them that, you know, even though, you know, you, you did your best this time, we could do better next time. Yeah. You can't. You have to encourage our kids. You can't, you can't talk down to the kids. You you can't. You see what I'm saying? That's just like an adult. Look, I listen to motivation every morning. Some I, Somebody got to motivate me. I'm listening to it, even though I'm a pastor, but I'm listening to somebody to motivate me every morning. So I listen to E. E. Thomas. You know, I got three businesses going on. I done went back to school at the age of 50. Somebody got to motivate me. You could, you could do this. You could do this. Some somebody got to motivate me. So somebody got to motivate our kids. Let me um let me um tell you something. I I got a daughter that's 
um, 27 years old. The doctor didn't say she was going to make it. Okay, that's what you say. She was born three pounds, okay? Oh, she's going to be mentally retarded. That's what you say. She ain't going to be able to walk. That's what you say. She's not going to be able to hear. That's what you say. We need to put her on Ritalin. No, I'm not putting my child on no type of medicine. She needs surgery. Okay, so she could walk. Okay, she's not going to graduate. That's what you say. She's not going to get high school diploma. That's what you say. My daughter is 27 years old, got her high school diploma. She got two cars in her name. She got a full-time job. So don't tell me what the God that we serve, okay, ain't going to be able to do. That's good. That's so good. With God, anything is possible. Anything. Possible. That's and it. With, All with determination, with love and care and guidance. And this, you are a perfect example of what a parent should be, what a good neighbor should yeah. be, and what a yeah. pastor of a, of a congregation should be. And the people that, that are in your church are very blessed to have both of you. To do yes. this, um, we do have someone that is calling in the, on the line. Let me see who this is. If you if you would like to take a question, is that all right for you, ladies? Okay. All right, all right. We've got a Skype caller in on the line, and to whom am I speaking? Uh, the caller dropped. Okay. I guess they didn't really okay. want to ask a question. But I do know that I've got a friend here listening in that I know we've got 15 minutes left to the show, and I know he's got a mouthful to say. So, Sarge, chime in. Thanks a lot, Annie. Boy, this has been one great, great show. I mean, you've had nothing but an outstanding line of guests. And to the ladies down there in Florida, uh, all I can say is God bless you for your efforts uh, to try to stem this tide of relentless, godless, brave, secular humanism that is just overtaking this culture and destroying it. And uh, at least you have students in the school and in the classroom to try to get to. Uh, so, you know, that's one good thing about Florida. I mean, they're letting the kids go back to school. Keep up your efforts. Keep your head up. Watch your six. And, hey, believe me, these people are coming after you for doing this. They don't believe in the Constitution. They certainly don't believe in God's nature that inspired it. Pastor Tanya? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, It's so important, you know, it's so important to, you know, anybody can say they're Christian. Anyone can say I love the Lord. Anybody can say I'm a disciple of Christ. But it's the lifestyle that speaks volumes. It's your fruit that speaks volumes. You know, my name is Felicia Towns. It's on my birth certificate, Felicia Town, not Pastor Felicia Town. That's just the office. So right. we've got to, as the church, we've got to have a revival as the ecclesia. We've got to be reversed, and we've got to be that light and be that soul. Uh, church, we are the bride of Christ. And so this is what God has commanded us to do. My sister, Pastor Tanya Thompson, beautiful woman of God, uh, and others, the, the, the ambassadors to 
uh, not only put prayer back in school, but the importance of having the lifestyle that Christ had when he was here. He showed it, and then he left the Bible for us to live in. Well, I, I, I would right. like to add one thing, though, is that uh, with our churches, there is a battle within our churches, uh, whether or not we go aggressively or whether or not we stay true to Scripture, because my own church has had a battle that went as far as the Supreme Court and then returned back to our state, whether or not we go progressive uh, with you know same-sex marriage and other things that they wanted, or you stay true to the Bible and the teachings of Christ. And we went to state true. We won the court case. Now, the final decision has yet to be made, but we, we do feel that we are in the right and we will win. But we have to also make sure that even though you say you want to go back to church, know where you're going and what their beliefs are. And that is so important, so very, very important. Uh, and I recently, there's a new church that opened up right around the corner for me, and I called the pastor and I asked him, you know, what do you stand for? We've got to ask those questions. Where do you stand biblically? And can I be true to my faith? And will you guide me in my faith? And that's a real important thing, too, that we have to look at. Am I right, Lisa? Pastor Lisa? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I mean, You're right. you know, anyone can read the Bible, but Paul said, study. To show that self approved. Uh, so you write on uh, that one. Study, it's right on that yeah, one. When you study the word, it takes you to a whole nother paradigm shift. When you study the word, he begins to give you the interpretation and the impartation to talk to people, not talk at people. Pastor Thompson said earlier how um, some schools, not all of them, but some schools, they have prayer outside or next to the flag post. We don't want to have we don't want to have prayer or have prayer at the school. We want prayer to be in the school. And right. It begins with us. You know, I'm not a real fan of Michael Jackson, but. One of the songs that he wrote, Man in the Mirror. Mirror. I'm asking him to change my ways. Yes. (laughs) It begins with us. It begins with us. And so, uh, not to get too far off the subject, but my mother called me and said, You know, did you hear what happened in Washington where someone tried to go through the barrier and, you know, one of the policemen lost their lives? You know, this world, seemingly, the people have checked out of life. But if they know who God is, if they submit to God, all things, everything is all right. You know, I've I've told this story before uh, on air, and Curtis is familiar with it. Uh, but my husband, a couple of years ago, uh, was in, in intensive care, and I was at the hospital at his bedside, and he was basically unconscious out of it. And the doctor told me that if he doesn't turn around in the next few hours, 
to be prepared, meaning that he won't be with us anymore. And I had to go home because I've got five cats. At the time it was six. Uh, and I had to take care of them, too. So when I got home, I, I don't know how I drove home. I was crying so hard. And someone had given me a prayer shawl. I had it around my, uh, my shoulders as I drove. I took care of the cats. I went in my bedroom, and I knelt to pray. And the next thing I know, I was prostrate on the floor crying and asking God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then I realized I asked for the wrong thing. I should have been asking, whatever your will is, I accept. And I ask you to guide me through it. In that moment, I felt everything change. And I got back to the hospital. I get off the elevator. The doctor comes up to me, and she hugs me, and she's crying. And she's crying. I'm thinking, oh, my God, my husband's gone. My husband's gone. And I finally lift my head. I look over her shoulder. He's sitting up in bed, joking around with the nurse there. And several months later, as I was telling someone that story, he goes, you know what? I know what moment that was because he felt a warmth. He felt a light. He felt as if everything was going to be all right. Prayer has power. And we all need prayer in our lives. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Well, I will leave with one last thought because I want everyone to remember what the First Amendment starts off with. It's not the last of the five rights granted in the First Amendment. It is the first right in the First Mm -hmm. Amendment for a reason. And it reads, Congress shall make no law respecting a establishment of religion nor prohibit the free expression thereof. In other words, if you want to prayer in school, they cannot stop you. If you go to court and your case gets dismissed and you say, thank God, and the judge chastises you, remind them of the First Amendment. It is the first right in the First Amendment for a reason. Pastor Tanya, Pastor Lisa, thank you so much for joining us, and I and God bless you in your endeavor. As soon as you get that website Love. up and running, let's get you back on, and let's blast it nationwide. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, All right. so, so much. Thank you so much. And God so bless much. both of you, and have a blessed, blessed Easter. All right. We will have Pastor yes, Tanya. And Pastor Lisa back on with us, Curtis, in the near future. Meanwhile, that's all we've got for today. And thank you, Sarge, for chiming in. I know you've got a lot more to say. Well, maybe one day we'll have you come in as just our guest one day. Now, as of next week, I do have Trevor Loudon scheduled. However, my husband has been rescheduled for surgery on the 9th. And since he is um, a patient that has underlying conditions that make it a dangerous surgery, surgery. I don't know if I will go with the show. Curtis, you have several doctor appointments away. You're going to be several hours away from home, so you won't be able to do that. I'm going to try to reach out to Vito Esposito and see maybe if he will step in for me. Uh, Otherwise, there may not be a show next week. Um, But I I will let you guys know via Facebook, uh, Twitter, whatever, uh, whether or not I go forward or not. But as it stands now, I do have Trevor Loudon scheduled. I'm going to have to give him a call, give him the heads up. Anyway, I've known Trevor, good Lord, now going on 11 years. I love that guy. 
anyway, Curtis, thank you for bringing these two lovely ladies on for the show. And as I said, the good Lord had had a message for us today. It's Good Friday. Oh, and he's most saying, certainly. remember me, remember the sacrifices and what we have given you and the new life we have given you. Let's remember that and let's all work and strive for the betterment and for our new life to come. All right. All right. So with that, we will end the show with what better thing to do but the song, the uh, the hymn when the roll is called up yonder. And so for that, I will say good night, God bless, and have a blessed and safe and healthy Easter weekend. And remember the Lord and your friends and family in prayer. <laughs>